Thanks for listening to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm co-owner of Stanfield Hunting Outfitters with my brother Tony. We'd like to invite everybody to come out and see us in Knox City, Texas. Look us up on the internet at www.stanfieldhunting.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. We've got some specials on some dove hunt coming up in September. We can take care of you on a dove-hog combo. We can do a dove-pheasant combo. We can do a dove-goose combo. Anyway, if you want to kill some pheasants, you want to kill some doves, ducks, geese, deer, it doesn't matter. We can put you on anything you want to be put on. Holler us at Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. That's www.stanfieldhunting.com, 940-658-3172. And we are proud sponsors of the Big Honker Podcast. Hey, guys. Zach Shaver here, head guide for Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. If you're in the market for a duck or goose call, I recommend going down to 737 Duck Calls right now and picking you one up. I used them all last winter, and I highly recommend them. The 737 Nitro is the call to put the geese down. If you're not into goose hunting, they got duck calls too. Single reed, double reed, acrylic, wood, you name it, they got it. Get down there today and pick you one up. Look them up on Instagram at 737DuckCalls. Look on their website at www.737DuckCalls.com. Or look them up on Facebook at 737 Duck Calls. This is Jeff Stanfield with Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. You ever have a day where your wife's on your rear end or your girlfriend? You need to impress her, make her a little happier? Well, take her a bottle of William Chris wine. Or the Sway Rose. The Sway Rose can be found at Bucky's, HEB, Central Market, and Whole Foods. So when you do that stupid thing and you need to impress your wife, some roses and a bottle of William Chris wines. That's William Chris Vineyards, and that's in High Texas. Texas wine, folks. William Chris Vineyards in High Texas, and that's at WilliamChrisVineyards.com. Hey, boys and girls, Andy Shaver here, and thank you so much for listening to the Big Honker Podcast. This show is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Dive Bomb is the leader in silhouette manufacturing in the decoy market today. They have goose, duck, and crane silhouettes, basically anything. If you're hunting them, they got a decoy for you. These decoys can handle anything that you throw at them. We hunt with them seven days a week, and they handle the muck and the mud and the rain and the snow. Blake and Zach not stacking the trailer right. You know, whatever the situation is, Dive Bomb can handle it. And for listeners of this podcast, Dive Bomb is going to give you 10% off of your next purchase by using the promo code BIGHONKER at checkout. So go to DiveBombIndustries.com. Get whatever you're going to need for the upcoming season because, let's face it, it's coming and it's coming in a hurry. Get what you're going to need, fill up that shopping cart, use the promo code BIGHONKER at checkout, and you can save yourself some money. It's what we use. Get the ones with the flocked heads, and you will not regret it. That's DiveBombIndustries.com, promo code BIGHONKER, all lowercase. So, now that we've got all that out of the way, this episode of the podcast, back by popular demand, is the Coyote Man Clay Reed. Clay comes back. He was he was absolute dynamite in the first one. Uh, we had so many letters requesting his his appearance again. So he's back in Studio A with us, telling more uh, telling more stories from his absolutely insane life. We talk more predator hunting. You know, the man has has absolutely done it all. Kills a bunch of coyotes. He has even called in Bigfoot. I'm not shitting you folks. We do talk about the time that Clay called in Bigfoot. So be sure that you stick around for that. Absolute great episode. Love having Clay. So here he is, the coyote man, Clay Reed.
Three, two, one. Boom. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. And I'm Andy Shaver. And we have got a treat for you today. We have got the Coyote Man Clay Reed from Archer City, Texas, back in Studio A again. Straight out of shoot number two. Out of shoot number two, he said. (laughs) Clay, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. Did you have a good weekend? Oh, it was tough. It was hard on me. Y'all can't make me laugh very much today because... I got busted ribs. I got a little inebriated. You know, I don't usually twist off, but I twisted off this weekend, and it hurt, and it usually does hurt. (laughs) And it was at a girl's softball game, right? Yeah, you don't have to tell everybody that. Okay, sorry. (laughs) We had a little coach's uh, brew out by the pool, and they bet me I couldn't do a gainer. 250 pounds of short-legged fat. but (laughs) took me 10 times, but I got the gainer done. Is that how you hurt your ribs? No, 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 no. That 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 would be the good story. That would be easy to tell. That yeah, I did this, but uh, but no. I, all the girls finally showed up. They stole my hat and they went to tossing around in the daggum pool, you know, like they do. And yeah. and they were destroying my brand new twisted X straw hat, first one I've had in 25 years. And I slipped, oh, uh, chasing no. one of them and landed on the side of the pool. Mm. Well, it's kind of like. You know, getting bucked off horses. You when you're 252 pounds, it's kind of like throwing a a sack of feed off the top of the truck. You bust open when you hit. Now, <laughs> oh, it hurt. Oh yeah. I was just about to ask you, uh, on what what number uh, gainer did you break? Did you crack your ribs? But no, that wasn't no, even it. Like I say, couldn't even say it. But I could have broke it in the bathtub later because, uh, <clears throat> like I say, the story was, you know, I didn't eat. I ate about 10 o'clock and. You know how it is when you eat, uh, drink beer on an empty stomach. Yep. It's not no win situation. No, and, uh, never. And I wind up getting sick. Well, I, I was trying to leave, but I didn't. I didn't have my a hotel key, and uh, of course, uh, so I can't get in the into the motel. You know how they got it locked off. You got to have your key to just get in the motel. So it's nine miles around that so gun and i was having trouble with nine steps at the time, <laughs> so, so I, had, I, I had found my pickup and i was at least you know leaned up against that fella and, and yeah. i'm listening to everybody's story but the whole time i'm going i just want to go home man just <laughs> let me go home and then finally thank god one of the softball girls come out there to tell her dad something yeah i was I'm going with you, man. And she, she escorted me to my room, and uh, and then I wind up. Yeah, I got sick and uh, slept in the bathtub. They said, "Why did you sleep in the bathtub?" And I said, "Well, I took one shower, two two baths, and I wanted to be close to that toilet because I was uh, bringing the beer. Beer don't taste nearly as good the second time as it does the first time." No. And in honor of that, yeah, I believe I'll have a sip of that, but it. It, it hurt me bad, and I guarantee you that next morning at that first game, yeah, I looked like warmed over death. I bet. And I mean, it was bad, and uh, I hate. I don't want girls to know this, but I can give a shit <laughs> whether we won or lost because I that walk over to first base where I was coaching, it was touch and go still <laughs> at. at nine o'clock that morning. Now I think it's a tradition for coaching these select teams to drink a lot because me and Andy witnessed this. About a month ago, we went to Dallas, yeah. and it was Little League Baseball, 10, 12-year-old kids. Right. And all the dads were polluted in about Saturday night, too. Yeah. Role models. It's, stress, it's a stressful it. deal. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. Everybody it, wants to win. 
Got to got to twist off a little bit, relieve a little bit of stress. Yeah, it, it. Well, we got we got some moms, and I won't mention any names because they will whoop my ass because they're tough. <laughs> and uh, but oh yeah, they're professionals. That's what that's what pisses me off. Is you know these there's a couple of these gals and one of these dad Jaime. He uh, <laughs> them guys are professionals. You know, I I can sit there. Well, I tell you, you know, we talk about varmint hunting, right? Uh-huh. Oh, Jaime, Jaime Matasca is his name, and I'll say it loud and proud <laughs> so he can hear me. Me, he calls me here a while back, and he said, "Hey, he said we need to enter that San Angelo West Texas Big Bobcat hunt out there." He said, "Oh, Sandy Bob, down there, Brad Overstreet's uh, son-in-law, he's got some good country down there. Got some big old cats down there. Got them on camera. Of course, I hear this from everybody. You know, <laughs> yeah. everybody got giant cat. So anyway." Me and him, and uh, uh, I said, all right, yeah, well, me and him and Lance Schrader, we'll, we'll go down there and we'll hunt with him. But I told him, I said, now, here's the deal. I said, uh, I take my dad gun, my, my, my coyote hunting, you know, when I, I got money on the line. It's all serious. And I knew yep. that Sandy Bob and uh, Jaime had potential to drink a lot. <laughs> I said, we can't be drinking no goddamn beer. And he's all, oh, I promise, I'll just, just one. Just give me one. There's no such thing as just one. Exactly. Well, this is this is where the, this story goes. Because we get out there, and I said, now, I remember now. He said, yep, I got my one beer. And he had his one beer right there as we got started. Well, at noon, we start, and it ends on noon the next day. And all through the night, we hunted all night. And halftime, you know, me and Slim be up there in the rack, and then we'd flip out, you know, switch out. And uh, and I never saw him or Sandy Bob one drinking beer all night long, and I was sure proud of him. Never saw him waver, not a wiggle or anything. But then when it got daylight, I got to looking around, and the back of my pickup is full of goddamn beer cans. <laughs> and I was like, "Where the hell all them goddamn beer cans come from?" And uh, I said, "Hi, man. you didn't drink no beer, did you?" Oh, oh. Or just a little bit. I said, you told me you wouldn't drink. He just no, I didn't. I told you I'd just drink one, and I just drank one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> they drank two 30-packs. Holy God, shit. And never, and never once did I see them waver. Wow. Hell, you, you give me two 30-packs, I'd be in a coma. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, they'd be having fish fries for me, man. Think. You think they, they they sit in that truck, and every time you get off that rack, oh, shit, put the beer every up. Every time I turn my back, they were like a bunch of 16-year-old kids. <laughs> I bet they were. Hey, you ain't looking. You ain't looking. Here you go. <laughs> now, there we go. You'll never hear us. They wait until I turn that call on to pop that cap. <laughs> oh. Yeah, do, you, I, do you have some crazy moms in softball? Because I, in my life experiences is there's three crazy women in the world. There's cheerleader moms, any kind of youth sports mom, and just redhead crazy, just yeah, no matter yeah, what they they're, do. They're, and they're all the same, I guarantee you. But, it, yeah, we have, we have a few. And, I, as a matter of fact, I had this one mom, and I, uh, this is when my girl, my, my daughter, who's sophomore now, uh-huh. she's uh, in coach pit, seven years old. Seven years old. Well, we got this one gal, this one girl that does not want to play ball. You know, and, and you know, some kids are ball players, some ain't. And you know, y'all seen it a thousand times. The parents want to push them. Right. You know, hey, we go. They need to be pushed sometimes. I said, well, either they want to be ball players, or they don't. This girl didn't have no heart, no talent, but she had a grandmother that was going to make her, and she was going to be the greatest ball player there was. And and I love this girl to death, but. She just was not a ball player, and uh, but uh, well anyway, her mother, her grandmother, comes up to me one night because 
she's always said, you know, because I had to put her out in the outfield because, I mean. She's winning good. She was like a human pylon, you know. Okay. She would stand there, and, you know, and she didn't want to be there, you know, and uh, no try, and she's standing out there. And you put one of those human pylons in the infield, somebody's going to get hurt. You yeah. know how it is. And so, and finally, against my better judgment, I put her over there at third base. Oh, shit, the hot corner. I said, well, maybe you know, they'll hit a baller. Well, they damn near hit a uh, – uh, they hit a screamer hot corner that hit down that line. And this girl's looking over to the uh, uh, sidelines, you know, ain't paying attention. And that ball, I guarantee it had to take skin off of her here. Ooh. It was that close. And this girl never even knew it. And I said, well, that's the end of that. Yeah. You, know, I, you know, I was pr- trying to make a point. I didn't want to get her killed. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, well, uh, we get in a big game, and, and we're playing a really good team. Had been beaten two and a half years, and my girls are playing way above their They're playing great, you know, and we're beating this team gonna be their first loss in two and a half years well i had to put the human pylon <laughs> and you can't hide the human pylons you know them them and I, I got her here and every ball they hit her was in right field and she'd never even see it and my uh center field had to come over there and get it then i'm over to center field they scored nine runs in the last inning oh, when shit. she was in there to beat us you know, I never said anything bad about her or anything. That's just part of it. And, uh, you know, and, uh, but that grandmother, she comes over to, uh, to my house that night. She's got a 10 page essay of what a sorry son of a bitch I was. And, <laughs> and, 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 and it starts out in the third person, you know, that, hey, coach, I'm really a good ball player. If you'll just give me a chance, you know, I'll, I'll do the best I can. I know I'm trying to, and I was like, trying to give me a guilt treat, but, uh, I'm over that a long time ago. <laughs> I have no feelings. And, but I, matter of fact, we still got that that whole ten page letter, and we're gonna frame it. Yeah, so everybody come Does Granny wave at you when she sees you now? Or she's still pissed off at you. Oh no, we're 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 good friends. I mean, it it wasn't a big deal. She got over it, and she finally figured out that the poor girl is not going to ball yeah. I never I never cussed her for it because she rung the doorbell. I opened the door. She throwed it in there, and then she took off running. And I said, <laughs> "What the hell is that all about?" And uh. And then Kelly, my wife, she really got a good kick out of that. But, but that that year, we had to, we didn't get to finish the year because I had two moms getting a fire, fist fight in the parking <laughs> lot before the game, and then uh, so I had to adjust my lineup. Then one of the dads said I moved his daughter up in the lineup because two of the girls are gone, and and uh, so I moved her up. And he said, "Well, my my daughter ain't uh, batting in the in, in the in the three hole." And I said, "Well." She is she either going to bat in a three or she's going to go to the goddamn house. That's all I can say. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'll take her to the house. I said, I just fucking told you to take her to the house. <laughs> I said, I don't give a rat's ass. And uh, sure enough, and I said, well, that saved me a lot of pain. And I walked over and said, we're down to four players, so uh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> end of the ball game. But I guarantee you they get freaking stupid. And I'm – but I'll, I'll, I want to tell you one one story, though, The one my greatest story. Uh, about kids, coaching kids. I had this new kid, my boy, oldest boy that's over in Afghanistan fighting, Dawson. When they were about eight years old, they had a new kid moved to town. His name's Gabe. Old Gabe, he comes over there and and uh, good-looking kid. I said, oh, yeah, man, I mean, this kid, big old tall, tall drink of water. And uh, I said, uh, hell, he'll be able to play some ball. So I said, so anyway, we, we spread out, and I put him out there in right field. And I said, y'all go in there and hitting everybody going through batting practice. Well, I hollered old Gabe. I said, hey, Gabe, come on in, son. Come on in here, boy. 
And old Gabe, he's standing there looking at me. Got this old blank stare on his face. I said, Gabe, come on, son. Come in and hit. And he still just stands there looking at me stupid. And I was like, what the hell's wrong? And I'm kind of getting pissed off. Hey, come in here and hit the ball. Oh, finally, uh, one of my other kids comes over and they grab him. They take, run him up there to me. So go point to me and he comes up there and going to hit. Well, he gets up there next to the plate and I'm giving him the, you know, how, all right, get your hands up here, son. He, well, he picks up the bat and he's just standing there looking at me with that same old stupid look on his face. <laughs> I said, Gabe, get your hands up, man. Get up. You know, I pull, pull the bat up to him yeah. and deal. I said, spread your feet, man. You got to get ready to bat. I'm going to get up here and throw some balls at you. And you hit the ball. And, he, and I mean, he's got this far away look on him. And I thought, I dang. This boy's stupid. <laughs> I mean, I really thought he had, you know, he was special. You yeah. know, and I was like, something wrong with this boy. Because he's got, I mean, he just, so I get up there and I throw the ball at him a little bit. And, and I mean, he, he tried to make some couple of futile attempts at hitting it. Goes on. I said, all right, Gabe. My patience was getting short of it. I said, go ahead and go back out to right field. I said, get on out there, son. So, old Gabe, he just stands there, looks at me. I said, Gabe. Take your ass out to right field. <laughs> you know? And uh, well, then CT, this other kid comes over there and he grabs old Gabe by the deal. He runs him out there in first, uh, uh, right field and he stands him up like he's a human <laughs> pylon. And uh, so old Gabe's sitting out there like this. But every time I hit the ball to him, he'd go get it and he'd throw it in. Had a good arm and old deal. But I was like, I guess this guy is kind of special, you know. And I said I felt bad for you know. And I so so anyway. Practice is over. Everybody, everybody, everybody's going home, and here comes this old Ford Expedition comes pulling up there and picking old Gabe up. And it's this old red-headed white boy, and he says, uh, he said, well, how'd you get along with old Gabe? And I said, I, you know, of course, I didn't want to tell him, hey, I think your boy's stupid. <laughs> and, uh, so I said, I said, oh, he, he, you know, he did all right. He, he'd be all right. I said, we got some things we got to work on, you know. He'll be okay. And uh, I said, but, you know, he goes, well, uh, he, he kind of smirked a minute. And he goes, well, you know that boy don't speak a lick of English, do you? And I said, do what? <laughs> he said, no, nah, hell, his mama. I picked her up in Venezuela. I said, I work in the oil said, He don't speak a lick of English. And I said, well, that's goddamn information I could have used. While ago. He goes, hell, I thought the boy was stupid. <laughs> he started laughing. He goes, yeah, I figured that. We was going to see how that would work out. I said, you evil son of a gun. Did you make a player out of him? No, he quit. He was done. <laughs> I didn't, I know, no, no speaking in Spanish. So, so. Last time you was on, you talked about your practice wife, and we've had a lot of messages about your practice wife. Practice wife. Do you, do you have any more stories about her you can share with us? Well, man, that practice wife. Now she was, she was, she was, uh, she was special. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think her my, my first the first child support check that she got from me, which which was you know it was it was actually the money that come my uh income tax refund is what it was <laughs> and she had a party the clay reed child support party oh, and she had a big nice. sign put up out there on mesquite street and and had this big giant party keg mm. beers and everything with all the child support money had this oh, big old party oh. had to sign up and the whole deal and god dang and it would have been bad but her friends are my friends, so all my friends was going to the keg party. And I said, come on, boys. Y'all got to show me a little loyalty, man. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Said, yeah, she got free beer, man. I, can't, I, can't. <laughs> I mean, we're friends and all that. Yeah. And so I, all I could do was sit out there across the uh, – uh, sit out uh, on the curb and watch all my buddies get drunk with my child's uh, on your, money. 
the the question I got the most was how how did y'all not realize that she was pregnant when she had the baby All in the right, toilet? Now, yeah, I get that a lot. Because I that I got I can't tell you how many messages I got. All right, well here here's the deal. Uh, for everybody that didn't listen to the first one, go listen to it. Do, go not, listen to it. You need to yeah. turn it off. This one off right now, and go, and go back and listen to the Coyote Man Clay read the first one. You have to. You'll laugh your ass off, and then you'll know what we're going to be talking about now. But stop right now. Turn it off and go to the other one if you have not listened to the first Clay read one. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. If your dumbass is still listening, you screwed up. Go yeah, ahead, Clay. Yeah. No, well, Brandy, Brandy. Oh, shoot, I done throwed her name out there. Anyway, the practice wife, her, and she's real tall, big old tall gal, and she carried long. Even with my first boy, you mm-hmm. could hardly tell she was pregnant. Right. But uh, but anyway, and it wasn't like me and her, we, uh, what do you call it, coitus? We yeah, wasn't, coitus. We, we, it wasn't a lot of that thrown around because <laughs> me and her were, and I was working 12-hour tires every day. When I come in, I was going to sleep. She was going to work early in the morning. Da, da, da. So it, it wasn't like I was. But I, I asked her, I did notice, you know, two or three weeks ahead of time, I said, hey, you, you pregnant? And, uh, oh, God dang, boy, she got minor than a jap at me, you know, because I basically telling her she was fat. fat yeah. Hell no, I ain't pregnant. You know, so, hey, gal tells you she's not pregnant. You, you I've made it. that mistake in a bar yeah. before hey, somewhere. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you leave it alone after yeah, that. Yeah, our situation was a little touch and go at the start <laughs> anyway. I didn't add no fuel to the fire. But, uh, but anyway, I mean – I did, but I didn't, and you know, and uh, hell, she swears, and, and I thought there's no way, and I'll kiss your butt. About a year later, a buddy of mine over at Holiday, his old lady does the exact same thing. Really? Blew, yeah, blew my mind. Yeah. So uh, everybody was like, "How in the?" I said, "Number one, that's an amazing story." And then, how in the hell did you not ask him? How the fuck did you not know that your wife that, that she was pregnant? Well, that, that like that I was say, it, huh? I, I asked, you get that you I get that a lot too. I asked the same question at the time, and I, I got a hell effing no yeah. get in, so I, I believe for <laughs> you work. just left it alone. Yeah, that's but, what uh, any sensible anyway, man would it, do. It worked out, and hell, she well, I say it worked out, you know, because like I say, we were on touch and go situation at the time, and uh, they. Uh, uh, it was all a couple. Hell, matter of fact, I think three days later, hell, we we split up because I, you know, I I was. It was one of them deals where, you know, her family interfered a lot. You know, I, 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 hell, they weren't big Clay Reed fans. Well, they was, but they were in our business all the time. You know what I mean? When I walked yeah. in the house, they were there. You know, when I walk in the house, I want to kick off my underwear and you know go <laughs> lay on the couch, but I couldn't do it because they were there in our business all the time. Yeah. And you know, then they want to tell me how to run my business, which uh, Clay Reed runs his business. You know, the Godfather <laughs> got his own house, and and I and I I told her I said, hey, you're either with me or you're with them, and yeah. she didn't say nothing. I left. I got a, which was a a, a bad choice. Of, on me at the time i could have waited till i was a little better shape because i got out of there with a, a pickup and a tent well the first night i went down there i slept in my buddy steve wright's yard the first night in the tent a big storm come through and we lost my first tent which was a little old uh, two-man <laughs> dome tent lost all the tent wound up getting another one she wound up repoing my pickup me and, me and my buddy Sam Baruby was, uh, I was helping him build bits and spurs there in Arch City. I said, hell, let's go down here and get some parts. And uh, we come out, and there's this fat guy driving my pickup down the daggum deal. And I was like, 
that's my goddamn picket. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it got closer. So said, Sam yeah. goes, yeah, it's got them bullet holes down the side. <laughs> uh, we were frogging. My, my truck was unmistakable because we got we went frog hunting one night. Going to kill some frogs. Mm-hmm. Wasn't no frogs, so we decided to shoot my pickup up. <laughs> And now every, all the kids around town would come up and say, hey, how'd you get them bullet holes in your pickup? I said, ah, we got Indians chased us outside of town over here. We got barely got away from them. But. Went down to Flood Street. Yeah, yeah, and that happened too. You don't want to go down there shooting them. So, so do you and the practice wife, uh, is it a cordial deal now? Or oh, yeah. Yeah, we get along. Yeah, we get along. I mean, we're not best friends. She, she just uh, graduated college after 25 years and uh, then – she got fixed to get married. And, yeah, oh, good for her then. Yeah, good for you. yeah she does. As we get older, things that things that ain't near as important, or things that I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It, it's it, we mellow out a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, like I say, I never, I never, uh, I never wanted to be that guy. You know, I, you know, my mom and dad were divorced. You know, and I seen a lot of tension, a lot of fighting, all that. I never let them see me sweat. You know, she she made me so goddamn mad. I wanted to kill uh, ten thousand people at time, but I would never, I never give her the satisfaction of a reaction. You know, and I saw her when they had the party. I just laughed it off. <laughs> when she married my best friend, one of my best buds, I laughed it off. When she married my next best bud, I laughed it off. Goddamn, so, how much, so yeah, she's about to get married yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. yeah number she, four or five? This be, I think number five. God, that's state God. record. I think. Yeah, yeah. What don't they cut you off at some point? I think seven, maybe. Oh, so really? Got a Five or seven? I know two people at the max, but I can't think of what it is. I'll be damned. Now nah, her family's good folk. I <clears throat> get along with them all, and but uh, yeah, yeah, and that's all you can do is get along. As a matter of fact, you know she had a couple of them husbands were abusive to her, and you know who they call? Clay they Reed. call Clay Reed. Clay Reed's a good guy. Whenever she was in the bind, they always, and you know, and and that's like. One of our mutual buddies, you know, uh, regardless of me and her relationship, uh, as far as getting along, she is the mother of my children. Right. And, and, you know, and and I think you ought to respect her as the mother of my children. Right. And I was at the bar one night, and this is a good friend of mine, and he'll know when I'm telling this, and he probably but I'm not going to tell his name. Nope. But uh, he got drunk up there at Cheyenne Cattle Company one night, and he's, he's like, yeah. That effing, you know, that bitch, you know. What I, I, I said, listen, dude. I said, well, me and her got a hard deal. I said, but you don't don't cuss her in front of me. You won't cuss her. You go back over there somewhere and don't cuss her in front of me. And, boy, he just kept on, kept on. I said, hey, listen, you do it one more time, I'm going to knock your ass out. I said, that, that that's the mama of my children, and uh, I'll, I will make people respect her if I have to, you know, defend it because I have respect for my children. And uh, so – Anyway, me and him went to the pisser, and guess what? He kept I, we're sitting there with our peckers in her hand, <laughs> and and he he goes popping off. Well, I, that was it. I just I, I knocked him out, and then I I caught him before he hit the ground, and I picked him up, and I said, "Hey, I told you, dumbass. I said uh, I told you not to do it. Of course, he's out. His eyes are in the back of his head. Dick still in but, his hand." No, no, the picker was in his hand. I didn't did you zip it up? No, I did not. Pull <laughs> and uh, oh, but he come to. Of course, I, I, I put him off to uh, a couple of other guys, and I, I went back in there, went drinking, and boy, about that time, boy, he come to. Went outside, got a gun. I'll kill him, bitch. Oh. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. He wasn't gonna kill nobody, but he did. I think he, 
could he get in some pretty good trouble bringing that gun in the bar? Yeah. You know, that wasn't a very big bathroom for that big-ass place either. Oh, no, it was horrible. I'm thinking yeah. back now. Yeah. I wish I had a dollar for every time I took a leak in that place. Yeah. Whew. I'll tell so, you what, boy, there was good times in that song. That best meat bar in the state of Texas. You ain't lying. Meat you remember bar. the old uh, sexy tan line yep. contest, macho chest yep. contest? Uh, me and my roommate, old Charles Adams, over there at uh, uh, um, Owl Park. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he lived with me, and he was a middleweight uh, bodybuilding. Yep, big, big, big son of a gun. Good looking dude. Don't say five words. Me and him were the perfect couple. <laughs> you know, I, I do all the talking. He don't do. He, he don't say five words. And uh, man, been good friends with him. Great guy. Great, great guy. Well, old Charles, but. Charles could not take living with him. But, but going back to my story about the thing, he was the three-time Macho Chess Contest, and I was the three-time Macho Chess Contest in there. But, but, what, is but the macho, what is the Macho Chess? Take well, your shirt off. Yeah, you just take your shirt off. You get out there really? on the dance floor, and you politic, and, you, and you know everybody, <laughs> by the applause, they, yeah. they win. The guys' contest wasn't near as fun as the girls' was. Oh, yeah, the yeah, girls', yeah, the girls contest was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a tan line contest, but usually turned off to strip off exactly. of college girls. Like, they would take all their shit off, or they yeah. they're not supposed panties. to. They're just supposed to kind of give you a peek at their tan line. Oh right. Oh, right, right, but right, that right. never happened. Yeah, I was in there one night. And I'm not going to say this girl's name because she, she's a teacher now, and she was she'd be embarrassed. But her sister has hunted with us a few times, and I asked her sister about this, and she's like, "Don't please don't say nothing around my husband because <laughs> he'll make fun of her." But she was in the tan contest, and if if you know who you are here, is this you're going to bust out laughing? But. She was in the tan contest, and her dad was in there. She didn't know her dad was in there, oh, and she was fuck. a senior at Ryder. Oh, she, no. And she, she snuck in up there, and she took her top <laughs> off, and her dad went and got her ass and took her out of the bar. Awkward. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> well, old Charles, uh, you know, it kind of pissed me off. You know, he's three-time champ. I was three-time champ. But the story is, though, he didn't have to work for his – I had to buy my votes, you know, because you won like twenty dollars worth yeah. of drinks. I said, I politic like a son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, hey, y'all holler for me, y'all. We win this. Yeah. I'm buying all the drinks over there. <laughs> I'm telling everybody in there. Of course, I only got twenty dollar tab over yeah. there. <laughs> Whoever gets their fuss is getting a drink. <laughs> Whatever happened to Charlie? Oh, Charles. Well, he, like I say, he was living with me. Well, Charles is Mister Responsible. I can guarantee you that's the hardest working son of a gun, and he's on time. He's Mr. Responsible. Best best bud you could ever have. Well, Clay's not that guy. <laughs> Clay is the exact opposite. So when me and him lived in that deal, my schedule, I worked at Zeno's Pizza over there on on a, a fairway. Yep. Remember on fairway? Yeah, for old Larry Darnell. Remember old Barry Ragsdale? Yep. <laughs> Me and him got in that big fight out there on Kemp Street. The next day, I went to work and and Barry he, worked there. <laughs> Barry worked there, and he's out. and he's got black eyes. I beat all of it. Oh, we ain't got to go do this again. I said, No, we're good. We're yeah. good and uh, good friends after that. But anyway, I worked from five at night to midnight at that deal, slinging pieces. And uh, well, at midnight, me and old Larry, greatest boss in America, we'd sit over there and watch dirty movies and drink beer and gamble. <laughs> And, uh, well, then then it, that's about time everything started getting good. Well, then we'd go party at the house. 
Here is poor old Charles. He worked at the Coors plant. He's wanting to go to sleep. He's wanting to go to work. And uh, he, he, you know, and then here comes Clay with everybody. Hey, buddy, hey, buddy. You know, everybody come in here. And that was back in them days when you was floating around. We had big giant parties. And old Charles, he, he lasts about three months of that. And he's <laughs> like, I am done. Matter of <laughs> fact, one time he tells me, he said, hey, uh, Clay, you want to go to work? Uh, you and old Marvin, my buddy Marvin, the one that was saving me from the axe murder yes. with the deal. Oh, Marvin. Is this old Marvin that, that done the guided varmint hunts for us a couple times? No. No, no that's not old no, man no, Marvin. No, 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 Marvin's my age. Okay. This guy. He said, because he worked at the Coors plant, he goes, hell, you want to make some side money on Saturday? You can help me. Uh, uh, we need some help unloading these uh, boxcars full of beer. I said, hell yeah, that's my kind of job. I said, I'll be there. So, well, you got to be there at six o'clock. You, know? <laughs> you got to be there at six o'clock. That's on a Friday night. I said, I'll be there. You know, it sounds like a good idea at nine o'clock. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Charles. I got. It. I'll be there. No problem. Well, me and Marvin go out that next on Friday night, and we get food bar drunk. I mean, we party up. We pull in the house at 530. Ooh. And I run in there, Ooh. and it looked like you hit me in the head with a hammer on my waterbed. Boom. I was down. <laughs> well, by God, about five minutes later, here comes Charles' big old Neanderthal ass. He comes walking there. Clay, get up. You got to go to work. And I said, this shit ain't happening, child. <laughs> of course, I'm still, I ain't woke up yet. I said, shit ain't happening. I ain't going no place. Had to move me, but I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, you done told me. I done told them guys. I done told them you was coming. I said, you know, he don't ever get mad. He's mad. And I said, I don't care, Charles. I ain't going no place. Oh, yeah, you are. And that son of a bitch grabbed me by my ankles, and uh, he starts dragging me to the shower. And I said, Charles, I'm screaming like a little girl, Charles, leave me alone, Charles. And, and I pull all the molding off the bed and then off the walls, and I'm biting and scratching. That big son of a bitch throw me in there and turned that goddamn shower on. And, of course, Marvin, he seen uh, what was coming on. He jumped in there voluntarily real quick. Yeah. And, uh, but that was the worst. Uh, that was punishment. You know, here you are coming off a bad drunk yeah. and then have to go unload. It was actually Bartles and James, Bull. a whole uh, a mm. railroad car full of Bartles and James. I had, and boy, I'm, I mean, I could just smell it through the bottle and make me sick. Oh. Was, this oh. o- was this over on? Uh, oh, yeah, at the Coors plant. Right? Yeah, and they used to keep, but they also used to keep train carts at the other one, which was off of Caulfield somewhere. They had a place. Yeah, they used to do a lot of train carts there, beer well, too. Well, this one was there, and we did it, and and I I was bad till noon. Noon hit though, it was on. I started busting them bottles of James open. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> we, we started drinking. Let's do it again. But here here here's something that nobody's probably ever done. I got I got a sister. You know, you know I got Lacey. You know, she lives down in Austin. She's doing she's putting fake titties in and all that. And uh, really, yeah, yeah, she's a, a RN whatever. You know, and that's awesome. Works for a plastic surgeon down. Yeah, she got it going on and. Uh, even though she don't give me such a great deal for my wife to get fake titties, <laughs> narrow-minded. But anyway, going back to my other sister. Just go to the consultation. Yeah, take I, care of I've it. got my other sister. Now, my other sister, Angie, 
Now she is Clay Reed with tits. I mean, she is. I mean, she she, she will kick your ass. She stabbed me three times one night. That, we, we were having a party at High Oaks, and she gets up there and she says, uh, uh, "Somebody said the party was getting a little dull." They said, "Clay, pick a fight with your sister." I thought, "All right." So I picked a fight with my sister, which didn't take nothing. Me and her fought all the time. Well, she wound up pulling a, a shower curtain rod, and, and I took her down. And uh, no, that, I took she, she took the Kashar curtain rod down and went to hit me with it. And I, I chased her down. She made it to the kitchen drawers and got two knives, two steak knives. And then she run at me. Of course, I, you know, dick butt kissing her to the ground. I hit her and take her down. I grab her by her wrist. But she still got both of them daggum knives in her hand. And so I'm standing on her elbows, you know, right there on her biceps, on her elbows. And I've got her pinned to the ground. I said, what are you doing, bitch? Is that all you got? You got them knives? You think them knives going to hurt me? And then I would let go of them wrists, and I would slap her in the face. Bah, 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 bah. And then I would grab her wrist real quick. But one time, I was just a little <laughs> too slow. And she stabbed me with the one, and I went to grabbing it, and then she stabbed me on the other knee, and then she got on the other knee, and finally I said, to hell with it. And 30 people running down one hallway of them apartments over there, and there's a room to the right and a room to the left. And that crazy Sasquatch sister of mine with two steak knives coming out. I want to kill you, you son of a bitch. I'm sobbing. She's so goddamn mad. But I thought, well, half of them went one way, half of them. I went into my room, and I had my back up against the door. I said, boys, I'm giggling. I'm laughing. I said, man, that was close. Well, I didn't realize how close it got because I've got my back up against the door. And she started stabbing that door. Holy and then that blades. If she'd have been lower, she'd stabbed me right in the back. But she went just above my shoulders, and then I got off that door, and I said, open the window, boys. We're abandoned ship. <laughs> we're two stories open. Everybody jumped out. That God, oh yeah, she's, she's a tough old gal. What is she doing now? Uh, she lives over there. She's kind of like a professional babysitter for her grandkids. She's got two grandbabies over at Burt Manette, but yep. still get Still give you all you want? Or do you not fuck with oh, her? Oh no, we, we 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 she does her deal. I do my deal. It, yeah, the only only good thing about it, I will say this is that this this is when you know you're a redneck man, and this is one of the greatest stories ever too. And I won't go into the long version of it because it's even worse. But one, one night uh, we were it was during the uh, ranch roundup. Me and my buddy Sam Barumi, we're gonna go over there and we're gonna just. Uh, we're going to uh, just go to the trade show during on, on a Saturday there and check it out. And then later that night, we're going to come pick up the wives, which actually the gal, uh, Kelly was my girlfriend at the time. But Sam, he was married. Turned out this was the last night he was married. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, we, 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 we go over there and we're going to go pick them up. And then we're going to take them to uh, uh, go, take, go out to eat and then go to the rodeo, you know, do the deal. Well, we messed up, and we found a buddy named Gary West. And, and Gary is notorious for getting people divorced. And uh, so anyway, we get we go over there, and uh, I probably shouldn't have called the name. Now he'll know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> but anyway, we go we go to one we go to the Lonesome Dove, then we go with it'll do, and we go to these other deals. And uh, and the uh, it'll we, do. Yeah, we go to the it'll do. We go to the lonesome bar. Dog. We're we're bar oh. hopping from one to one, going to the best crowd. And then yeah. finally, we've got our recipe right, got our mind right. We said, "Hey, let's go over to Titty Joint." 
He said, hell, we love the chitty joint. I said, of course, I'm a non-functional unit at the time. I was like, let's go. I don't care where we go. <laughs> and so we go over there. Uh, remember where, uh, oh, what was that one down on Scott? Texas. Uh, Texas Showgirls. Texas Showgirls. Well, it ain't Texas Showgirls. It's the one back there in the, the hole oh, in the wall yes. in the back. Yes. Yeah, which at the time, it was, it was, now it's called Showtime or something like that. So we get over, and it's a little bitty old song. I said, boy, well, let's go there. And so we, we wobble our ass in there, and we sit down, and we're right there on the front row, which they call Pervert, pervert Row. row we're on Pervert Row. And I, I got Sam to the right of me and Gary to the left of me, and we're sitting there. And, and, and uh, well, we watched a couple of dancers right there for a minute, and then I'm, I'm not paying any attention. And, and next thing you know, I hear, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from Wichita Falls, Texas, the lovely Angie. And I look up, and it's my goddamn sister and her big ass titty. And I'm going, ah, get off the stage, you dumb son of a bitch. Oh, oh I mean, I, yeah, I've scarred me for life. I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you know, you're you a redneck when you go to the titty bar to watch your sister <laughs> dance. And so, but it turned out all right. You know, after I got over the, over the initial shock, uh, I was like, holy shit, it, she was part owner of this place. And so I would get free beer. And when I give the tips to the girls, they give half the tips to her so I could recycle everything, man. <laughs> and every time they said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Angie, I went to the back room and shot pool. <laughs> and, then, and then a little bit later, a little bit later. <laughs> so how long did she work there? Oh, uh, yeah. Just part owner. No, this is the same night. We were sitting oh, there. Oh, she co- they kept calling her back and forth. Well, I, this is one of the times where she was off stage, thank God. We I, I don't think Andy understands. This is not the kind of place that has 20 women dancing. No, no, oh, no, no. Okay, this is, no. This is one gal deal, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and oh, yeah. I mean, it was a dive. I mean, mega dive. And, uh, but uh, we were sitting there and. And uh, we were sitting there, and, uh, well, like I say, I got Gary to the left of me, and I got Sam to the right of me. But on the other side of Gary is the biggest black man I've ever seen. He's got shoulders that are, you know, like a, a Datsun, you know. They're wide, big, giant, overall wearing, got a John Deere cap cocked to his left, and he's sitting over there, and nice guy. Black na- Charles Steele? I mean, he made Charles look like a midget. Wow. I mean, this guy was so huge. And, I mean, when I, I, I wouldn't even look down there. I was scared because I didn't want to make eye contact with him. <laughs> and, uh, but we were sitting there. And, and like I say, I'm pretty shit-faced. And I'm sitting there. And, uh, well, uh, next thing you know, this little old blonde stripper comes over there. And she sits down in Gary's lap. And uh, she's sitting there. And says, hey, have you seen my baby boy? Have you seen my baby boy? And she pulls out a picture uh, and old Gary said, no, I hadn't seen your baby boy. Let me see your baby boy. She pulls out a picture. I don't know where. <laughs> but she got this picture out of somewhere. And and it's a little black baby. And, uh, well, old Gary goes, well, hell, that's a god dog. And he don't say black baby. And, well, when he said the N-word right there with gargantuan black guy on the other side of him i spit my beer across the stage because i just knew we was fixing to all get killed and uh and i go what and of course that gal that little blonde gal she goes ape shit pissed off what did you say you son of a bitch boy she's sitting there cussing gary and then she walks over to the big giant 
uh, black man next to Gary over there. Did you hear what he said to me? Did you hear what he said to me? And oh, oh boy, the big old demon. What did he say? He said, I got a guy named uh, Black Baby. Except he didn't say Black Baby. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, he said, and the old black guy said, oh, yeah? Let me see the picture. And he, he said, hell, that is a guy named Black Baby. Except <laughs> he didn't say Black Baby. <laughs> and it was all good after that. And you could, I mean, the air returned to my lungs. Like, Thank God he's a nice guy. <laughs> And then a little bit shortly later, uh, I look over Sam. He's laid up on his back on the stage with a dollar bill in his mouth and a stripper str- straddled him, you know, coming down uh, on him to put it in her G-string. And God. I look over towards the door, and there's his wife and my girlfriend. Oh, shit. And I said, Sam, Sam. I started hitting him on his shoe. And he, shut up. You shut up. I get this. He got that dollar bill in his mouth again. Shut up. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I said, Look over your left shoulder, son, and he looked over, and that's when the shit hit the fan. And uh, yeah, it got it got bad. And uh, and well, the end of the story. And like I say, there's a lot more to that story. I could write a book on that one evening. But yeah, uh, what when the next time I saw Sam, he was backed up to his house in his old Ford <clears throat> pickup, and uh, all his clothes. Scattered all over the yard, Oof. including Sam, scattered on the yard, <laughs> passed out out there. And that was the last time he was married. To, and his his wife was best friends with my wife, so she wanted to pick a fight with me. But I, like I say, I could really care less at the time. So she she screaming at me all. I just, just smiled. Is she friends with you still to this day? My wife? No, <laughs> no, your wife. The other. The, the other the, oh the, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Nikki loves me. Yeah, don't you, Nikki? <laughs> It seems to be a common theme, like these great big fights and then buddies right afterwards. Oh, yeah. Even with the ladies. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm easy. Yeah. Yeah. I've Hell, I even got this one gal, which I don't know if she's – I call her my friend, but she may – she got drunk one night and uh, uh, she's fixing to graduate high school. And, uh, well, she got real drunk that night and she passed out. And that's something you did not do around us is passed out. You passed out. It was showtime. Something was going to happen. And I, I, I didn't, uh, you know, usually we'll shave your eyebrows off. And, uh, oh, fuck. But uh, I didn't shave them all the way off. But I show, shaved them to where they were two little squares. It looked like Charlie Chaplin, you know. And I ain't going to lie. When you're drunk, that's the funniest shit ever. I, I laughed until I hurt. And then the next morning, I was in there and uh, me and Kelly was in bed and and uh, I could hear her mom because her mama didn't know she had snuck out uh-huh. and uh, come over there with us hoodlum boys. <clears throat> and I heard her go in there. And she says, well, I almost called her name, better not. She goes, get out of that mess. Oh, my God, what happened to your eyebrows? And that's when I knew I better pull the covers over my head. And they come in there and say, Clay Reed, you son of a bitch. I swear to God, if I ever get you across the road, I'm going to run over and kill you, dead. You son of a bitch. And then, uh, when that's like I say, she had to graduate like a week or two. So she wound up shaving them off, completely off, and painting them on. Yeah. And her daddy's a big old giant son of a gun. And uh, I see him at the rodeo about three weeks later. He comes walking my way, and, of course, I knew they were not happy with Johnny Clay. <laughs> and uh, he goes walking up there. And of course, I postured up. And I said, hey, we we cool? And he goes, yeah. 
little bitch get that goddamn drunk, she ought to have her eyebrows shaved off. I said, well, hell, that's kind of what I thought. I was going to do a public service out here. You know my brother, Lance. Yes. Lance. You know, there's some people you shave your eyebrows off, their eyebrows off, and there's some guys you leave the F alone. We get over there. We have After the rodeo one year, we have a big dice party over at a guy named Lynn Delaney's house. Well, there was a boy showed up over there, big 12 sandwich eating some bitch. They called him Hoss. You know, they don't call the tiny guys Hoss. No. Yeah, so Hoss yeah. is sitting over there. Well, Hoss gets drunk, and he passes out on the, on the couch over there. Well, of course, go rule was you passed out around us. Something's going to happen. But I wasn't thinking Hoss. Well, my brother, he runs in there and gets the uh, uh, razor, and he comes out there. And while he's asleep, he shaves the eyebrows off of that big son of a bitch. Off of Hoss. Off of Hoss. Of course, about halfway through the first eyebrow, Clay was getting the L out of Doc. I mean, I'm gone. I ain't been here when that big son of a bitch wakes up. Clay's house. So, but it was funny. Shaved him off. Everybody laughed all that. Well, then the next day, Hoss wakes up. Nobody tells him his eyebrows are gone. <laughs> so he goes all day. <laughs> they go they go in town, they eat there, and then they go to down to Throckmorton where he's from, and they go catfishing on the river, they're grabbling. And then when he finally, of course, every, every five minutes, somebody would look at him and they would laugh. And they'd say, what the fuck y'all laughing at? It's all nothing, nothing. But nobody had the courage yeah. to tell him, you know, hey, yeah, I got them eyebrows go. <laughs> so, uh, so he's sitting there and... Uh, well, down there at Clint's, you know where Clint's is, that little convenience store right there. Well, he, they said they said when he was walking by that window, you know how you kind of look at the window to check yourself out? <laughs> he said he did a real fast double take. He goes, what the fuck happened to my goddamn eyebrow? <laughs> and uh, so that started. Uh, uh, he, it, the word got out. He was looking to beat my brother's ass. And uh, about two years later, I was clowning over at uh, uh, Seymour Rodeo. And I got cleaned up, and I'm going to dance, and God dang, here come Hoss walking up. Hey, Hoss, what are you up to? He goes, hey, Clay, uh, i got to ask you something. I said, what's that? He said, uh, hey, if, I, if I kick your brother's ass, are you going to jump in? I said, fuck no. That's somebody shaving my yeah, brows off. I'd whoop his ass, too. He goes, I sure appreciate that. You seen him? I said, yep, he's right over there in that fucking corner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God my brother saw Hoss before Hoss found him. <laughs> and my, bro- my brother, Lance, he vacated the, uh, yeah, he was gone. I'm going back to Wichita. <laughs> so is your brother uh, a scrapper like you are? Oh, yeah, no. It, Just I'm, not with Hoss? No, it, no, no. Well, I don't know. Lance, Lance pretty pretty salty, but. Hoss pretty big. Hoss It'll pretty be a touch big. and go moment, I'm sure. <laughs> let's let's get away from stories, man. Let's talk a little bit of varmint hunting. Okay. Because people are how the fuck are we going to transition? I don't know. Into man. This. We're just going to go into varmint hunting, then we'll go back to stories. Yeah. I like the stories better. Yeah. Well, well you, some of the varmint hunts get pretty wild, though. Tell us some varmint hunting stories, then. Uh, I put you on the spot when I do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. He does, he's not when, great. He's not when when we're when you're doing the varmint hunts, what do you look for? Because you like to hunt during the daytime. Yeah, the guy up north because we got a lot of people up north that listen to this. I know you can't kill a coyote in the daytime up north. That's what they say. What, what do they? What do they? People need to look for. I mean, what, when you look for a place and you go to ranch, like if I go look at a ranch, I'm looking for deer and hogs. I'm not looking for coyotes. I wouldn't know what to even look for. Yeah, what's a, what's what, what sign and stuff do you look for to yeah. find well, a that's, place? That's that's the key is the is looking for sign. You know because it doesn't make make a damn where you at if. Uh, they gotta they gotta shit somewhere and they gotta put them feet down somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you know if if I'm going to a place 
and, and not all the places, you know, because I, I did learn that. So, you know, some places, as far as footwork, you know, they don't leave a lot of tracks or, or they cover real good. You get some of them like, uh, you know, uh, coastal towns, get a lot of sand action, mm -hmm. you know, the humidity and all that. There may not be a lot of uh, track sign, but you got to look for the sign. I mean, and, and regardless, the eastern numbers, they're not like our numbers. You know, everybody said, we, you can kill them just the same, you know, because I hunted that eastern last year. And, oh, they, they said, hell, I'll never, I'll never call up a coyote up there. Well, I killed one on the first call using the exact same tactics I did, you know, same call as I did. And, and if my gun wouldn't have screwed up, I, I, you know, I called in several more later on. But to say you can't call up a cat, you know, uh, it, but you got they, you can't kill them if they ain't there. Right. You know that's like some guys they get a brand new caller and they go out, uh, and uh, they call and they call and they call and they call and they're not having any success. But a lot of your success is your setup. One, your your setup is the greatest. I mean, because there's coyotes all over all over the country, no matter where you go. You now some places are thicker than others. You know, you can go down there West Texas and. You can fart out the window and call in ten cows, and uh, so so it, you know, I know that there's greater places, but that's the deal for me is, you know, you know, back when we used to guide a little, and hell, we come out here with you guys a couple times, and you know, guide hunt, you don't realize how ignorant to the game. And I'm not saying people are stupid; they're just ignorant to the game of call, calling up cows. Mm -hmm. And you walk, and I know guys have been doing it a long time, and still. Uh, set up bad you know we we never set up downwind you know to where i'm facing downwind i mean because hell a cow's gonna smell you from a thousand miles out there and you even if he do, does come to you he's gonna bust you before you ever get to him so you know rule of thumb is you know wind at your face and sun at your back got the sun in their eyes and wind in your face now a lot of a lot of places you can't do that and i like a crosswind you know calling calling a crosswind occasionally but but the biggest part is is guys just don't know how to set up, and uh, when you know, and after doing it for so many years, uh, well, that's just like you guys. You know, you you know, you can't just walk into a field and say, "Hey, we're going to set up where just wherever." You guys know the yeah. the good spot. You got to have a learning curve. Exactly. Yeah, you got to know where to go to do it. You know, and and that's the difference between day hunting and night hunting. You know, night hunting. The curve, you got to learn a curve that, that helps you out a lot because, you know, it'll uh, it'll uh, hide a lot of your screw-ups in the night. You know, so night hunting's a lot easier. Lot, yeah, a lot what, easier. What, lot will easier. The, what will the night hunting hide? Well, as, as, well it'll hide the person. you. Hide you, you're, number you're, one. You're, yeah, because you go out there, and, I, you know, I tell a guy to sit right here in, in a tumbleweed bush. Right. And that guy's over there. He's wiggling just like a little eight-year-old kid that can't sure. stand still. You know, he's moving around. Yeah, them cows, they they can spot that movement, and bobcats even better. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're spotted a mile away. So when you go at night, you get up in the high rack, you pull up in there. You know, uh, you're high. Uh, you're gonna see them way before they see you. Mm -hmm. Where in daytime, it's usually a lot opposite. Right. And you and you got sideboards. You know, you can hide a lot of. A lot of things on that, and then, and then you got like say nowadays with the, these thermals that they got, well, that's stupid. That, I mean, I mean that's just mm -hmm. easy. Hell, hell, we go out with them thermals and we walk through coyotes. I mean, wow. it is wild, and whether they're <laughs> downwind or not, yeah, and walk right through them. 
I mean, so basically, at night you're you're taking away one of the senses of the coyotes, yeah. the, the sight sense, yeah, and yeah. You play that to your advantage. So yeah, yeah and, and uh, you know, it's just it's just a whole. The big big advantage I think is you're able to see them from so far out mm-hmm. before they get up on you because right. you know in the daytime when them boogers are, and they blend in so well, you yeah, know, you know, you look for day, movement. Yeah, you got to look for movement because they're hell. You won't see them until it's too late. But, do you uh, use your light a lot at night on a night hunt? Do you sp- yeah? Do you, do you spray yeah, around a lot? You use the amber lens or red lens on it? Red lens. Red yeah, lens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know we. I got a Fox Pro light, you know, with a Fox Pro Fire Eyes light that I use. It's best light on the market, in my opinion, because it'll go through, uh, it'll go through white, green, amber, and red. But you know, some people like this, some people like that. But I was telling Mitch and them, we were out at uh, Coach Ball's place over here at Rotan, and he had a uh, an old float trailer up there with a reflector on it. And I told him, I said, "Here, I'm gonna prove my point. Y'all look at this, and you put it on white." Amber, green, red, and that red—I mean it. I mean it'll glow five times better than any of the other deal. Hmm. So it's just better. Plus, it—they seem to. I mean, not that it really makes rats ass, because I got my buddies Lane Jones and J.C. Stelzer out there. They make their own little lights out of old car lights. They built me one. It's a badass of a gun. But they just don't use nothing but the white light. It's it's damn good. And they've killed a million cows. It really has to do with all. All to do with how you use that light, and, and and the biggest thing about using light is is when you when you catch that coyote's eye, you leave it in that coyote's eye, and you leave it as still as possible because they're looking for movement. You know, if you got that, you know, I, I've seen guys, you know, where the coyote's coming in way out there, and they put it in that coyote's eyes. All right, well then they said, well, I'll look and see if there's any more coming. They'll roll that circle around mm-hmm. around. Them. All right, well, what you've done is uh. Uh, shown that 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 cow that there's movement where before that light was a street light it was a stationary object they see street lights all over so that as long as you can keep that still and in their eyes one with the light in their eyes they're not seeing you and two uh they think it's just a street light coming in on a street light as long as it's it's still stationary. stationary yeah but when you throw it out now it's a car, and they know them cars will hit you dead. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's the big big thing for me is putting their eyes. It's like Hutch one night. We we get over there. We was on uh, Bribble Ranch, and uh, God dang, we had three coming in hot. They're coming in fast, coming in fast. And then old Hutch has got it on me and old Mitch picking them, put the low on them. And then all of a sudden, oh, hell, there's three more over here. And he takes the light over here. <laughs> God dang, there's three more over here. I will put it on one of the motherfuckers. I can't kill shit. <laughs> we didn't get a one of them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was a funny moment. But, yeah, that light, it, it'll save you a bunch. Uh, but And they'll keep coming with the light in their eyes. Yeah, well, wow. I mean, it, it all depends. And it doesn't have it doesn't have anything really to do with uh, how you uh, – you know, some people say they like to halo it, and when you drop it down in there, you know, some 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 cows are just smart and they just right. rise up. Yeah. But usually, if you keep, you know, like I say most of them some guns come trotting in on string. As long as you're quiet, you know, you're quiet at mm-hmm. night. At mm-hmm. night, you know, when you're using that light, if you're quiet and keep a stationary light, uh, yeah, they'll they'll come in, and then, you know, even after you shoot one, you keep keep calling like we got that fox pro uh fox bang it'll go where 
after the gun shoots, the bang will set off another call, which you can set it to whatever, but I got mine to a uh, uh, pups in distress. And so, you know, boom, it shoots. One of their buddies go down, they take off, well, then it'll go to that. Well, here's, here's an example. Me and Mitch, I guess it was not this last year, but last year before last, in my Texas Coyote Calling Championship in Archer City, we needed eight coyotes to be done. My deal is whoever kills the fastest, 12 coyotes. We're down, we're eight coyotes. We need four coyotes. We're walking in on a big uh, uh, sand formation, you know, sand rock formation, you know, just a little, call it the tater knob. And uh, I'm walking in on it. Mitch is about 150 yards behind me. He's always slow. You know, he's got to coaches. you got to drag them everywhere. Of course, I'm on hop because we're in a timed event, and i got to win it. And so I, I head up there, and as I'm coming through these big rocks, I look over there in about 200 yards, I see a, a cow mousing. He don't see me, but I see him. So I run up this big. Oh, what now? He's mousing. You know, he he yeah. got him a mouse. Yeah, dancing in, around. Yeah, dancing around and planting cactus, trying to get this mouse. So I run up there. Mitch is still walking. <laughs> so I run up there and I throw that collar up there and I turn. <laughs> and I hit that damn call. And uh, uh, but I don't see the cow when I got up the rock. So I turned the collar on. And boy, call goes, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm going, God dang it, I've got my gun ready. Son of a bitch, he was right there. Surely that son of a bitch didn't see me. And then all of a sudden, boop, he pops up in front of me 20 yards. Boom! I shoot him right there, and I go, all right, that's number nine. Well, when I shoot him, my collar goes to that. Pumping distress. God dang, another one pops up right next to Boom! I shoot him. Well, I grab that collar. And I turned it off real fast, and I run all the way around to the other side to see if some may be escaping, going, that, that, that'll be the way they go, to the west. And so I run over there, and I get in front of that uh, formation, and I throw the collar down. <coughs> Boy, here comes two more, fast as they can run. Boom, I shoot that one. The other one runs off, and it goes to the pups in distress. He turned around and run back to me. Boom, I shoot him. So now we got our 12, and Mitch ain't even cock cock up to me. And he goes, he, go, he pulls up there, and he goes, the fuck are you shooting at? I said, I, said, I just killed four cows. He goes, bullshit. I said, yeah, we just got our lemon, Hoss. I'm the man. He goes, you're lying. I said, yeah, I got, look at here. I got two dead. I got two around here. Are you shitting me? I said, no, I ain't shitting you. And we got our lemon. So, but that, that, that stress Bring that, them back. That pup in distress will bring them back just like that. Not all the time, but right. big, boy, it's a big tool. Let me, let me ask you this then. When, when you do these varmint hunts, and especially around here on a full moon, there's lights everywhere yeah. when, when, during contest time. Yeah. San Angelo, your contest, wherever they have. They have them all the time, I guess. Do you notice after that a big drop-off and decline in the population of coyotes, or does it even make a difference, really? I mean, I know it does make a difference. We're killing your sub, your minor, you're subtracting them from the environment. But do you notice a difference in seeing coyotes anywhere is after it, that? Yeah, is it a noticeable? Well, of course, I mean, I mean, well, it's like this year we killed like 184 coyotes in all the contests in January and February, but it's like eight or ten contests that we hunted. But, and, uh, Hell, other night I was out with thermal, and hell, there's twenty coyotes in one field, and I mean it, 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 it almost strengthens, you know. And that's what I tell. Her. I, I did a radio show up there at the World, and uh, I was telling them, 
you know, I'm not here to eradicate the coyote. Coyote ain't going to be eradicated. They have mm-hmm. poisoned him. They have helicopter. They've done yeah. everything. You're not going to kill them. But what we're trying to do is to control the population. And, you know, and if you don't control it, they'll get like rats. But yeah. my my bottom line is money. And when the cows get out of hand, uh, you know, they, they go to killing cattle. And then they go to killing your pets. And uh, but the the cattle deal is my deal. I can give a rat's ass. They kill my goddamn twenty dollar poodle. But <laughs> I but when they go to killing them thousand dollar yearlings, and it happens or calves, it happens. And uh, I mean, I have one guy. He lost twelve calves. Well, he only has twenty calves in his whole bunch. So right. that just broke that guy. Yeah. He's he's selling. You know. So he's done. Yep. So that's that's the fine line. And that's why. You know, like my deal, I put a, uh, I put a, a limit on it. You know, because, you know, uh, at least it gives the appearance of a controlling deal. But, uh, you know, where if you have a mass murder like, you know, San Angelo, they go down there. You know, I think uh, 60, 60 something coyotes in one night is what won it. Sixty-five cows. Yeah, my buddy Ooh. Casey Smith, Nathan, and Lambert, and they killed sixty-five cows one night. When you get a bunch of cows up there, you know, uh, and then it's kind of right in public. It's not really good for uh, PR. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That, I, yeah, that, yeah, I understand. But it's it's kind of like the hog population. Yeah, you, you just you get you ain't knocking it down. You may knock it down for a day or two, but you really don't notice anything on it. No, because it it'll actually strengthen the, the population, and that's kind of bad to say because. Uh, what you're doing is, biggest part of time, you're killing the diseased. The mangy cows will be in there first right off the bat. The poor cows, the injured cows. So you're killing the you're killing the old men and old women of the deal. You know what I'm saying? Right, and right. the diseased, which now you're left with the beast. So they're they're gonna they're gonna have they're gonna eat good. They'll be able to take care of themselves, and they'll have good pup population. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That so, makes sense. It, so it don't you ain't you're just eradicating the bad ones. Yeah, or the, yeah, or the weak. Con- we're controlling it. Yes. Every year, you know, I kill two hundred coyotes over in my country. I've done some good. You know, that, they're not having to compete with uh, for food as much, so they can. There's plenty of rabbits for them to kill. They're not looking, and they're not going over there starving and killing my calves. Yeah. You know what I mean? All yeah. right. Next question. Now, a question. Just things that. I don't think about because I don't know much about varmint hunting. The the dens, like when you see a coyote den, and I, I mean I've seen a den a couple of times, and you see them probably all the time. When you scout, and I know you're a smart guy, and I know when you get ready for a varmint contest, you got ideas of where you're going. Oh yeah. Do you ever try to hunt around them dens? Oh yeah. So that's oh, the, yeah. that's a key is to find some dens. And yeah. Dens, and you let them set till the big tournaments not, get here. Not not so much for my during my tournament. When the tournament season's going on, they're all left the den anyway. But guys that are hunting right now, oh yeah, they're 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 finding them dens. Well, it's like my buddy old old Nathan them. They come across some yesterday, and uh, had a little old, probably wasn't a four week old pup come in there, and uh, of course they're decoy dogging, you know, using decoy dogs, and uh, they come running in, and uh, old Nathan them was going to try to catch it, got their ass. Chewed up. I saw somebody yesterday on Facebook had a picture of a coat pup that they had they'd caught somewhere. Well, I know several guys that got them, but 
The best one, I think, is old Seth Simpson up there. Yeah, he, yeah in he's Idaho. got that badger. Yeah, yeah, old Seth's got a badger and a coyote, and, and they're both about the same. Oh, they're hilarious. No, you no, he's got a pet one? Yeah. Seth's a pet Seth's badger? Uh, pet yeah. badger. Yeah, he, I mean, he's that, that badger's not very, very old. Oh, no, I've seen no, it on he, Instagram. You know, That's supposed to be a mean son bitch. Oh, badgers. Yeah. Well, he was trying to give it, you know, he catches a lot of hell. How do you kill? How do you go out there and kill these defenseless animals if, when you, you got two of them as a pet? And, of course, he was giving a big, uh, 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 you know, a talk about it. And he's got them both. One in his. He got the badger in one hand and got the coyote in the other hand, and them some bitches are eating them alive. They're wanting, they're like <laughs> little old kids trying to hold them over, and that cow's going, "Get the fuck off me, then that badger! I'm gonna kick your ass!" Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. You need to go watch it. He he says it's made him a better uh, predator hunter having that having that coyote in the house. Oh yeah. Yep. Is this the coyote that lives in the house? Yep. I seen a video Ma- of it the day. Maggie or Grace? Yeah. Something. He's got another animal that's with it too. That besides the badger, don't they have like a dog, pet dog, or a yeah, they got one? yeah. It's like a fucking funny farm there. He's got dogs and everything else. Uh, but well, hunters right are the best conservationists. We've talked about this. Oh many times yeah, on here. more none. Now I tried to adopt a bobcat two years ago. Yeah. Let me tell you something. That experiment <laughs> didn't work for shit. There is nothing meaner than a seven-week-old bobcat in. I thought, you know what? It's got a little bit of claws on them. I can pick it up. Some bitch like picking up a full-grown mountain God, lion. Yeah, you right. God, am I? I just, we ended up. It didn't. It was a. It was a. Did did not work out like we thought. We thought we could litter box train it. And man, I had I had all plans. I was gonna get it an orange collar to wear. It was gonna take. It was gonna ride in my truck with me, yeah. scouting geese. Yeah. Everybody talked about. Look at the fat guy with the bobcat riding around, <laughs> scouting birds. <laughs> Cow, the, the, now they say, look at the fat guy with the scars all yeah, over him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one time, I got this sucker, finally picked up, gave, got it in a kennel and gave it away to an animal deal. And I really wanted to have it work. I've got a vet friend that hunts with me, and he's like, oh, right. Jeff, I can declaw it, and you can have it in the house. It'll be the house cat. And they, some of them make really good pets. But a lot of people sent me messages and said, Jeff, you're fucking up. Don't do it. It don't work very well. And I found that is what I had. most. My experience was it doesn't work very good. This yeah. was about the time uh, Zach, my brother, had just had his daughter. I, my wife was pregnant with our first kid, and he's trying to housebreak a fucking bobcat. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, we're not going to bring our fucking defensive little little child over here for this bobcat to gnaw its face off when it's napping. bobcat turd. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I've got a picture somewhere with a little kitten standing, sitting behind Dylan, and she could have been eight nine months old just setting up and that bobcat sitting right behind her and mm-hmm. i thought it was just the cutest thing ever boy i caught a lot of shit off that it was, oh, it was scouting man. lunch is what yeah, it was doing the, yeah the, the, <laughs> the, yeah we the, the kids do not find a lot of humor in it my wife did not that's that's when i knew my wife really give a shit about me because she let me have this cat in the house she doesn't like animals in the house anyways because she doesn't want to have to clean up nothing like that she doesn't like hair in the house I'm nothing the same guy. and she did not want a cat at all and she gave in to let me have this bobcat well, we went about four weeks with that damn thing, and it was no the grandbabies no. won. Who got yeah. the bobcat? I gave it to a guy in Wichita Falls and a, a girl and a, a lady I knew in Wichita Falls worked for a rehab deal, and they gave it to a guy. And I don't—they never could get some of a bitch trained very well. They got where it would eat chicken. They could throw chicken out every night. And it'd come up. One guy could pet it. But I'm telling you, his cat was fucked up. Mean. No, I'm telling you, they, I mean it's touch and go. It's like coon. You know, I used to have the best wing. Wingman I ever had was a fucking coon. Really? I mean, I ain't gonna lie. That was back when I lived over in them Lakeview apartments over there when me and Charles lived together. Matter of fact, well, Charles had moved out, but uh, we was over there and I had this old coon and I could take that sumbitch down there to the pool 
and which was at noon every day I went to the pool. But I could take that pool, that coon down there to that pool and throw a piece of ice out there and them goddamn girls would come from miles around. <laughs> oh, these cute little things. Oh, yeah, you ought to see Trixie does back up there at the house. <laughs> Getting your kill, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is, yeah, this it, is the best it, trick. Off of, but, man, i tell you what. You know, they're touch and go. And, you know, when Dawson was a little boy, we had one. We had to get rid of him because he would beat the shit out of Dawson. Yeah. You know, Dawson was a year and a half old. And, boy, he went, <laughs> and uh, old Mitch would come over there and he would tear his ears off. Because, you know, Mitch would sit down on that couch and that coon, he would ambush his ass and go to tearing him ears off. <laughs> and I turned over. Uh, uh, that was Rowdy. I turned old Rowdy loose out there behind the house because I run coon dogs. And, you know, I had a, a blue tick uh, coon dog, best son bitch in the world, and two little red bones. But I turned that coon loose. Well, I didn't want to, you know, I, I, I used to coon hunt with two guys. And you you remember Ernest, the uh, shoeshine guy? No. Used to be a little brother. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, I knew you were talking about. Well, Ernest, Ernest, I, it. And then I had a guy named Bradford Prince. We called him Mr. Prince. And it was like hunting with Jesus and the devil. Because Ernest, you know, he's drunk all the time. He's got a, a bottle of whiskey in his hand at all times. And then Brad, he was the exact opposite. Mr. Prince was a devout Christian, one of the best men I ever met. 82 years old now, walked me all night long. <laughs> and had these sorriest dogs in, the, in, in you know, he had this one dog called Drifter. He said, I said, why do you call him Drifter? Well, I hunted with him one time. We figured out why he drifted because we never could catch that something. <laughs> and so, uh, but anyway, uh, but old, old Mr. Prince and uh, Brad, they, uh, hell, I forgot where the hell I was going with the story, but uh, coon we started hunting. coon hunting. Yeah, the coon, oh, yeah, we, they, yeah, they would come out there coon hunting at the ranch. And they said, "Well, uh, uh, Clay, uh, we don't want to, we don't want to hurt your your coon, your pet coon." I said, "I know, we we don't have to worry about that, because we I had an old feeder steer steer up there under the barn, and you know, kept a bunch of feed out for them. And them coons would come up there. This is a big ass old barn, you know, and they'd come up there, and we shine a light up in that deal, and it'd be." anywhere from 10 to 20 coons up in the rafters of it and all you had to do is take one out kick one out with a big stick uh, uh sucker rod that i had and let him run and we'd run the coon and go trim mm -hmm. but you pull up there i'd have to go all right catch your dogs and they'd catch your dogs and i said rowdy come on down here boy and old rowdy'd run down that dang <laughs> deal crawl up on my shoulder and I'd like, all right now knock one of them other son bitches loose <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But finally, Rowdy's drop, nuts dropped, and I never did see him again. Never. But, but, yeah, we used to have old Brad and old Ernest come out there one night, and it was the funniest damn thing. Mr. Prince shows up with a, a Jip coon dog, and she's in heat. Ooh. Well, coon hunt is over. Yeah. And they turned them damn dogs loose, and they all went to gangbanging that poor old bitch. <laughs> and and Brad, old Ernest is mad and shit. <laughs> Well, goddamn, God goddamn, Prince! What the, what the fuck's wrong with you, boy? How you been fucking hunting goddamn coon dog? You know who that motherfucker was bred? Look at that pussy! It's all swollen up. Goddamn, son! You know that bitch? What the fuck's wrong with you? And you know, Brad's over there. Well, well, well. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Ernest. I, I, I just, I really didn't notice it. I just didn't. Well, you lying, motherfucker! You ain't. I mean, Jesus and the devil are having at it. And finally, oh, uh, oh, Ernest went to kick him. Not one of them dogs in the ass to get rid of 
to get uh, get them all separated and winds up falling in the goddamn tank. It was <laughs> it's the funniest damn shit. Yeah, that coon hunt lasted five minutes, but it was worth every damn bit of it. <laughs> and poor old Brad, like I say, he didn't. Mister Prince didn't have no dog worth a damn. <laughs> and that some gun, he brings me a coon dog pup, that uh, little old blue tick pup. You know, little bitty old thing. We called her Franny, and that dog slept with me and my wife every night. And I mean, just sat on the end of the bed. And that that coon, that dog. When she was about probably two months old, she wasn't very big, I'd take her and them two blackmouth curves down there to a tank, and I'll be damned if there were three little old baby coons up in a tree about shoulder high. Mm-hmm. And I said, boy, there can't be a better situation because they're about the size, the size of these dogs. And so I was, you know, shaking that old trick. Get them boy. Yeah, yeah, get them up front. And, uh, well, old Franny, man, she had that beautiful, oh, boy, she's barking tree. I mean, like she's pro. Of course, the blackmail curves, they weren't worth five cents. They didn't give a shit. But it's right next to a tank. And I find, went to knocking them coons out, hoping to you know, stir them up, fight, get her on fight. Well, the first two got in the hole before I could get them, but that third son bitch landed right on top of Franny's head, and the fight was on, and it was a death match. And they finally rolled out into the tank, and they were swimming around that tank, and I thought I was going to have to go save her because they was out there forever. They finally got on the bank, and but after that moment, that dog never, never strike on anything but a coon. When she when she hit a tree or a trail. You knew it was the truth. There was no liar in her. And uh, I had a guy come up from uh, Breckenridge, had a grand night champion, been all over Tennessee and done all this. And we skunked him on three straight coons, you know. And we hit the tree first. We, I mean, it, she, and he said, I'll give you $2,000 and a $1,000 pup for that. Summer. And she was 11 months old at that time. Wow. And, uh, and I said, now I wouldn't take it. I said, hell, my wife kicked my ass. And a god dang quail hunter, uh, two weeks later, Shot that son of a gun, and oh. uh, I, you know, because I turned her out. I was she, she never leave the house. She was out, but I turned the curves out behind the house to let them run a minute, and they all they struck something. They took off, and of course I never did hear Franny. But anyway, they come back. She did, and I went back out there in the pasture, and I was working for this ranch, and uh, walked up these two guys. Thank God this guy's passed away. Uh, but he and I never had a bad word with this guy. Nice guy, and it, but he had his son with him, and he was a big old twelve sandwich bully looking guy, you know. You know, I was little then. And uh, anyway, I, I come up there. I said, "Hey, uh, Mr. Taylor, you uh, you see my old coon dog run through here?" He goes, "No, you ain't been running no goddamn coons down through here." And I said, uh, "No, I hadn't. But if I wanted to, I could." I said, "Miss Porky knows that I can. I can hunt coon." And she told me, and uh, he goes, "What?" But I knew right away by his tone he'd shot my dog. Yeah. I said, "Did you shoot my fucking dog?" And he says, "Uh, well, well, you're not supposed to be." And I said, "No. All that's relevant, son. I want to know right now. Did you shoot my fucking dog? Because if you shot my fucking dog, I'm gonna beat your ass and that big son of a bitch over in the pasture seat." And he goes, "Well, we'll we'll get this straight." And I said, "Yeah, we're gonna get it straight. All you gotta do is tell me you shot my goddamn dog." Oh, I was mad. And he said, "Well, let's call Miss Miss Parky." I said, "Well, you can call Miss Parky. Do whatever you want. But right now, I want to know if you shot." He would never admit he shot my dog. And, but he called Miss Parky, and Miss Parky said, "Well, let me uh, let me talk to Clay." And I told him, I told her the situation, and he said, "Okay, let me talk to Mr. Taylor." 
And I give the phone back to Mr. Taylor. He said, Mr. Taylor, you got three days to get everything you got off of this ranch. And everybody, he had 44 hunters on that ranch. They had three days to get them off of that. Damn. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Over a goddamn freaking coon dog. I don't understand why anybody just go shoot a dog anyways. Yeah, that'd be like me going out there and shooting one of his daggum quail dogs. dogs. Yeah, you just don't do that. But, boy, it was just. Bad because oh my my wife she bought three days over there. I bet. So so you don't do any quail hunting. I mean you don't do any coon hunting anymore then. No no. You don't I, see a lot of that around Wichita. No you don't. Uh, my buddy old Jared Johnson he called me. He was working over here at Swenson, and he was doing a little uh, uh, coon hunting. And hell, I seen him the other day. He sent me a Snapchat, and there's way too many trees in the background. I was like, <laughs> you ain't at Swenson no more, son. Yeah. And. Uh, and he goes, nah, I moved over here to uh, No Cone. And I said, and he's a coon hunter. And I said, well, you in a place where there's some coon. He goes, you ain't shitting in there everywhere. So this winter I'm going to go up there with him. We got tons of them suckers here, just like you do at Archer. Yeah. Sure. Tons of them. Again, no, I feeders, don't. You don't? Uh-uh. We got tons of them. We have hell with them all the time. There's places over at Archer, like South Archer, where old Lance Schrader, he takes care of all George Allen stuff. You know, they've got feeders out everywhere. They got tons of coon. But up there on my place, very rarely. You don't have any deer feeders, though. Exactly. Right. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, decoy dogging. What is that? That decoy dogging, which uh, Kelly Jackson, my buddy, man, he's got some of the best decoy dogs. That's that's kind of a new deal, and it's it's neat. But me, I like to travel light. And what what it is, you just get you, you know, you get you, all you really need is a dog that'll uh, uh, come here when you tell it to, mm-hmm. and, uh, lay down when you tell it to. I mean. It ain't rocket science. I mean, there's a little more to it than that. I ain't going to make it. But what you do is, all right, me and Kelly Jackson, we, we went out here a couple of years ago. We go out. We called in two cows. We're, we're, we're calling. We're running a caller just like we would any other time. But he's got a bigger dog. I think it was a, like a Weimaraner or something. Mm-hmm. And he's got another dog that's uh what are them little Jack Russells? Yeah, it was a little. Furry. Those are the meanest little fuckers. Yeah, we used to have one of those. Well, this is a little uh, short-legged fat guy uh, <laughs> uh, dog. And, yeah, and, I had one. And he's he's mean, but he is the bait. Is all he is. He is the <laughs> decoy. Yeah, because this will be some bit. And all the the two dogs, they'll just kind of you know dick around out there, play around, and then uh, and, well, when a cow comes in. They work on that territorial response, and they cannot stand it. And you can stand there and try to shoo them coyotes out a lot of times, and they won't go nowhere. Really? Yeah, I've, I've had it happen with my border colleagues when working cattle. Uh-huh. You'll know, be checking yearlings. Right. I've had coyotes go underneath and out around my horse chasing my dog. You can't run them <laughs> off. But, but anyway, so we had two come in. All right, them two coyotes come in, and, uh, of course, Kelly, he sicks his dog on them. Boy, when he runs, him that, that, that big dog chase them. They both, you know, they go chasing them cows. Runs the cows off. Well, then you go, he brings them back. All right, well, then the cows go, yeah, hey, he's yeah. scared of us now. Yeah. He don't want none of this shit. <laughs> so here they come. They'll come chasing. And they'll chase. I mean, we've had them across where the dog will come around your lap uh-huh. and jump across or come around your back and the cows will come jump wow. across your lap. They'll get all over you. All right, so anyway, Kelly, boom, he shoots the one. The one dog takes off. The other two dogs go chasing him. The cow, well, he does the exact same. <laughs> he turns around, they come back, and he shoots that one other cow damn near on top of that other one. Well, then while the dogs are chewing on them two cows, there was another cow out there that we never seen. And then, what? But when them two dogs went to chewing on that cow, mm-hmm. 
they, they, that one out there in the bushes couldn't stand it. He got to come help his buddy. Fred Moe done went down. I got to go out there and defend their honor. So here he come. We shot that son gun right there, too. So that's what the decoy dog is. Then. Yeah, it works on a territorial response. I saw I saw a video on YouTube, and I thought it was just a guy was making a call and had a dog with him. No, nope. and I did not realize he'd send his dog out like fifty yards. Yep, and his dog would come, and them coyotes would come to like chase his dog off, and they'd shoot their ass. Bring your son bitches right back to you. Well, I'm gonna yes. tell you, that little Jack Russell I had would whoop the coyotes' ass. That's the meanest little son bitch in the world. Well, I don't know. I can't remember. I think they called this dog Tater, or uh, <laughs> and uh, old Tater. He's just the bait. He, he he may he may whoop somebody's ass for a minute, but uh, oh, yeah, but uh, but he was uh he was grossly overweight for his little ass. <laughs> oh, they they're big about that shit. Yeah. Well, they're but they are some feisty yeah, little oh, yeah. some bitches. Yeah, now my buddy uh, Scott Hampton up there at uh, Tulsa, he ha- he had a dog that was a legend called Poop, and, and this dog he took him out. He, he got a, a story in uh hell I think it was big magazine. No, I'm uh. uh he says, uh, anyway, he takes his dog, Poop, and they go out to New Mexico, and they go out there hunting. Well, they're hunting, and all of a sudden, a bunch of coyotes come in, and they grab a hold of Poop. They get a hold of Poop, because Poop's not very big, and they take off with him, and he can't get them shot before he loses his dog. dog. And, it, I mean, this dog is like his best best buddy. He ain't got no kids. This was his this kid. This was his kid. So he, he takes off with the dog. He stayed there three days trying to find that damn dog. Couldn't find that dog. Dog's gone. He's devastated, devastated, you know. And uh, so anyway, Scott finally has to give up hope, and he goes back, back home. And I mean, he he was it it killed him. Yeah. And God dang, uh, I'll be damned. Twelve days later, he gets a phone call from a rancher up there. He said, "Hey, you got a little old Jack Russell Terrier down here?" And he goes. <laughs> No way. He goes, yeah, he, said, he looks pretty poor, but he come walking up here to the house. Son of a he bitch. He finally got away from the goddamn cows, and he left work immediately and hauled his ass back down there to get old Poot. And then, uh, which he pretty much retired Poot after yeah. that. <laughs> and the goddamn town dog got a hold of that son of a gun here a while bitch. back and killed that son of a gun. Yeah, it's bad, bad deal. Yeah. Um, but it's that that decoy dog is cool deal, but. I, I don't want to have to feed them, so I call my friends that got dogs, and I'll go with them. Right. So the pup in distress does that mainly does that appeal to uh, the female coyotes more, or will you get males that just? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it don't necessarily have to be pups in distress. Right. Uh, it, you know, the pup in distress call. That, yeah, that you were yeah, talking about. just a distress call, a coyote in distress. Uh, I mean, it it works on their territorial because them, te- them coyotes. You know, that's why. Like you can howl, you know, a lot of people howl a lot. I'm more of a uh, rabbit guy because for what I do, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm in a timed event. I'm in a contest right. deal, so I got to be moving, moving, moving. And uh, the thing about using uh, uh, vocals is what I call it, vocals. If you're using vocals, you're attracting about half of the cows because half the cows, I mean, they're, they're like people. Some of them are pussies and some of them badass. You know, you come up there and say, you know, walk out the door and holler at your neighbor, I'm going to whoop your ass. Uh-huh. You know, some neighbors will go in the house and some <laughs> of them will meet you at the halfway out the out in the street, you know, and that's the same with cows. So half of you're going to call in half of them, half of them you're not. One thing about using a rabbit, 
They're all, all hungry. Eat a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, mass, you know, we use bird sounds and a little bit of everything. It, it, I mean, as far as calling up a coyote, it ain't, it ain't rocket science. But the biggest part of is getting them dead is is being able to read a coyote. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like working cattle. Some people read read animals well, mm-hmm. you know, like knowing when to take that shot. Right. You know, because you know, we've been doing it long enough. And the good good guys that have done it a long time, when they see that coyote coming in and he stops, now mm-hmm. sometimes they'll stop just to kind of figure it out. And sometimes they'll stop to because uh, uh, they know the jig's up. The good guys know the difference. Tell the difference. They know by his body language whether he's fixing to come on in or he's fixing to haul ass. And uh, so, so is that something that you can ex- explain to people? Because I've got the question and I haven't answered it yet. But it was, what are you looking for uh, when you're watching birds? And it's just it's something that's hard to explain. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just kind of a feeling that you have in your gut. Yeah, and, and a lot of that comes. To, uh, well, some people are just naturally good at it. I mm-hmm. mean, they just got to – I mean, I know guys have worked cattle their whole life and can't read a cow to save right. their life. But so, you know, you usually got it or you don't a lot of time. And uh, – but, oh, uh, uh, but as far as the – I think, you know, experience has a lot right. to do with – you know, the more you go, the more you go, the more you go, the more you learn. Yeah. And, uh, and, that, and, and that's the good thing about going to a contest – you know, a lot of people are anti-contest. A lot of hunters are anti-contest. Oh, you know, they cheat. They do this. They do that. I ain't going to do that. that. Well, one of the if if you want to learn how to be a good contest uh, a coyote hunter in general, mm-hmm. and well, when you go to one of these contests, that is a rendezvous of of knowledge. Sure. That's where everybody's there. Every contest I ever go to. Anywhere I've ever been, I pick up something from somebody because you never quit learning. And and that's why I love – I get more out of sitting on the back of a pickup out there smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer, (laughs) and them telling me how they screwed up. I'm telling them how I screwed up and then what went right, what went wrong. And, you know, some places – you go to that it, it becomes a pissing contest, yep. and you know they all get balled up, and they don't want to tell them that. I'm not that guy. It's right. kind of like riding bulls. You know, uh, uh, when when Andy was riding bulls, I was going to help him to do his best to beat me, and mm-hmm. Andy was going to help him me do my best to beat me. Right. I want you to be on your a game, and, and, and it's all just hunting. Yeah. But too many times nowadays, everybody oh they're closed lip. Oh, I don't want to tell anybody. My, I said. Dude, it's calling the coyote. I said it ain't. It ain't like uh, rocket science. That, that's what I've noticed with this podcast. We have so many people reaching out to us and kind of just picking our brain. And I've been as open and honest with every one of them as I can be. I mean, it's like kind of like you, just calling in a, a freaking bird. Exactly. I mean, it's we're not we're not saving the world here. So what? I'm going to be as honest and open as, as with everybody as I can. And if it works, great. If not, it, you know, because birds are different in, in different areas. But I'm going to give you my honest answer. And I'm not going to pull any punches, exactly, because I want to see you succeed. Exactly, and that's that's the deal. I, I can't I can't get some guys to understand. You know, uh, uh, is the uh, you know somebody along the line was good enough sure. to tell me right. tricks of their trade. Right, old men like Marvin Henry. You know, old man Marvin. He taught us more stuff. 
but there's a whole bunch of guys along the line through the, my lifetime that were good enough to tell me, even young guys, you mm-hmm. know, that were there. And, uh, well, why shouldn't I return the favor? Right. You know, if somebody's good enough to do it to me, I ought to be able to do it to them. And we're a dying breed. So oh, I, yeah. I want guys to go out there and I want them to just have this massive, massive success and then tell their buddies and help our industry out because we're hunters and, you know, we're – we're dwindling, so yeah, and, I want and guys to and, go out and have a good time. And what's bad is too many of the hunters nowadays, because of social media, you know, that pissing contest has yeah. gotten way big. Everybody wants to be MJ or they want to be LeBron, mm-hmm. and it's a big fight in between, and it don't matter. Oh. It, our business is flooded with that right now. The young guy that's 18, well, 19. That's what I was going to – I was just fixing to ask you that because our industry is flooded with the 18, 19-year, 20-year-old kid that has guided maybe a year, oh, maybe yeah. part-time. But they know more than anybody older, and they don't like to listen and learn. Where 20 years ago when I was in this business and I'd have a young guy come here to go to work, he wanted to learn. Now, granted, he was a good hunter. And even a young guy, you can learn something from them. Yeah. I mean, you can from anybody. Oh, yeah. But they don't. They all know more than everybody else. As you try to tell them, you don't know, oh. and they do shit. So y'all's industry is the same way. Oh, I mean, and, and the it, internet's it, killing it. Facebook kills it. It is horrible. I mean, you take some guys. You know, they go out and and some and there there's some good caller guys. I mean, but there's a few guys out there. I mean, and they have gotten so uh, arrogant. And cocky, and I was like, "Man, you guys! I mean, you you show up in a good place. that has got a lot of cows, and they kill a lot of cows, and all that." I said, "I said that's great, uh, but but I mean, you ain't paid your dues yet, and I ain't <laughs> saying that the guys are there, but uh, you learn more with your uh, mouth shut and your ears open, yeah. And you know, and uh, but boy, too many of them nowadays it's all about running that mouth and then they cause they're losing good friends over the deal yeah. you know I, I i i mean i've i've lost some friends uh and of course you know my temperament i'm always ready to fight you know i still got that in me i'm, I'm i get mad going i've gotten way better at it you know Hell, I remember back in the day, I, was reading, I almost traveled to Tulsa, Oklahoma to beat a guy's ass that <laughs> mouthed me on a Texas Predator posse in back in the day. I was mad over stupid shit. He, he popped off, you know, junior high shit. And, uh, well, that's the same deal now. I mean, these guys, they, they, they weren't ready to fight and they're going to lose their friends over it. But last year, when, when, when we did good, here, here's the deal that a uh, guy got mad. They got mad. We had a uh, Jacksboro hunt. It was a 10 coyote limit. All right? 10 coyote limit. For three years, I've hunted that hunt contest, every hunt. Every hunt, I had my limit. I had my 10 coyote limit. Several times by myself. But I had my limit. All right? But I only won it twice because they go on total weight of the, the coyote. No big deal. Yeah, I killed my limit. We, we done, and, and I didn't, you know, I'd kill my limit and be done. A lot of guys keep killing, try to kill big cows, but I just didn't do it. But anyway, so we had, you know, several ties for first, you know, like several times. I was always tied. And the tiebreaker to break up the tie was uh, uh, he, mo, or the heaviest combined weight of the animal. All right. So we wait. And, you know, so I put on there that deal because uh, you know i'm fox pro guy field staff trying to promote their deal i had a sign over and i said i put on there i said well i 
tied for first again at the Jacksboro hunt. I said, got beat by so-and-so, so-and-so uh, on the heaviest animals. They got m mad. They got blowed up mad because I said I was tied for first. And I was tied for first. Right. They had 10. I had 10. But they were mad. And even though I said, but I got beat by these guys, you know, got beat by the tiebreaker with these guys, they got mad over that. That junior high bullshit. I said, really? <laughs> and and then they go, well, they go on order. Yeah, how'd you tell? And uh, like I say, I was ready to beat that one son of a bitch up. I mean, I was I was that mad. Don't you laugh at the young kids, though, because I'll see them at a hunting show, and they, they're all decked out in their matching shirts and oh, shit. Yeah. And, and you don't see them, but you see them one or two years, and you never see them again. And I've I've noticed that being in business a long time, that most guys come and go. There's not very many – there ain't very many people been in the hunting business 20, 25 years. Egg, you just don't see it. Exactly. But I see these kids come and go, and they're all cocky and shit, and they come up, and they're like <laughs> – and I'm thinking, who the hell are you guys, you know? Or yeah, what? a lot of them don't have the stamina to stay with it. You know, they and I know some guys that did good, good, good. I mean, started out early, started coyote hunting early, and man, for four or five years they were they were kicking ass and they were doing good. And boy, they had everything on the deal. They talked to the big show, and now <laughs> it's crickets. Yep, they 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 just got burnt out. It was it was a good fad for a while. I think Facebook has made it that way. It's even the fishing business. I know some guys that fish, oh, guys, yeah. and they do that shit. They see these kids come up. Daddy buys them a boat, and they start fishing, and then automatically they're smarter than everybody that's ever been there. And and the experience, it's like finding an older person. I love to be around an older person because oh, I love to listen to them talk and stories. And I don't actually want to learn, like, for them to teach me about goose. And, well, I don't goose hunt much anyways. I guess I need them to teach me how to answer a phone and talk on the phone because that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. But I like listening to them talk about the way things used to be. I miss that. I mean, oh. I love listening to older people, but now that I'm getting older, the guys that are older telling stories ain't that much freaking older than I am. I know. You yeah, know, we're becoming the old guys. <laughs> yes, we are. When you hit yeah. 50, you are the old timer. Because yeah. remember when you were 20 and 50-year-old was the old son of a oh, bitch? Oh, I mean old son of a bitch. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? How did I wake up one day and be the old guy? Well, it's kind of like cowboying. That was the greatest thing in the world. In cowboying, uh, when you drag calves, all the old guys drag calves first all old guys oldest start from the oldest down hell i went and helped bill brown here well i guess i was i was, I was 42 and i and he says uh get your rope i said get my rope the hell that's for the old guys and he goes you're the oldest one here <laughs> i looked around i said i goddamn sure am I said, all right I said, no more flanking for me <laughs> yeah, so it, it does have its perk but yeah it's I want to ask you about Coach Mack real quick. And Coach Mack's a mutual friend of Clay's. He, he taught my son. He was Andy's coach. I mean, he's a good, a good, good, great man. And I've known him not near as long as Clay, but I've known him a long time. So, and Mitch is fun. I play a lot of golf with Mitch. Mitch is a hard-headed old son of a bitch. I, I played golf with him one time. And I don't know how you two do it. Huh? I don't know how you two do oh, it. Oh, man. If they, they would listen to me and him fight. Oh man, we we yeah we go. You two seem it. like you're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Oh, we are. Yeah, we are. But but he knows I'll beat the shit out of him, <laughs> so he don't mess with me. He, 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 we, me, him, and Hutch were playing in somebody uh, else one time, and we we're playing. On, we was on a hole, and Mitch had a hell of a drive, but it went through the fairway and the, and the tall grass. Couldn't find it. 
That's some like fifteen freaking minutes looking for his ball. You know, we're like drop <laughs> oh, a ball yeah. so we can go on. No, we went and played two more holes. He come, oh, I found that ball. I made a, I, I birdied that hole. But it don't matter now. <laughs> but that was, but just that hard headed about I'm stuff. I'm telling you, yeah. So, and he's he's a competitor now. So, That's yeah, he very competitive. Oh, more shit. competitive than Wayne is. Oh yeah. Wayne will give in a little bit, but Wayne will look good doing it. Yeah, he got dang right. Yeah. But, but so what happens when when you do you flip? Mitch's switch, or does he flip yours? Because one of you has to jack the other. Oh, no, we, we, we both flip each other's switch. That's why it was always good to have Hutch. He was our mediator. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, all right, you know, he's the guy that would step in and go break, yeah. uh, break, you know, break us up. Yeah. Well, man. Now, when Wayne gets pissed, though, he gets mad all over. Oh, I'm telling and you. And I had never seen him mad, but two or three times. Oh, I have too, but when, yeah, mad. yeah, when he's mad, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I seen him down there after they won state. Boy, he was god dang mad. Had a guy. He just won state and a, a, a dumb some gun. Well, if you'd have been blocking and done this, what? Going to chew his ass after the game, boy. After they just won and state. I, and uh, Mitch, which Mitch is always the hothead. Mitch had to get in between him. Oh, Hutch, he was. So this was a parent of a kid. Yeah. So you you win the state championship in football. Yeah. And you get your ass chewed because you didn't do something yeah. wrong. Yeah. That is a. But you know what? The mentality of parents these days is unbelievable. You know, stupid. Little John Wayne and Mitch used to tell me all the time. This was one of their sayings. More you get, you lose more football games. You get beat at the dinner table than you do anywhere else. Exactly, and there's a lot of truth to that. That is, you know, them cafe, cafes. Which I'm the, I'm the fireman. I'm the coach fireman. I because these some guns they, uh, you know, I go to the cafe, not so much now that I moved to the country. But when I lived there in town, I was at the cafe, and I mean, it amazes me how the the stupidity. I had one guy come over there. Buddy of mine, good friend, good son of a gun, but he just he, he tells me, and this is this is how his thinking is. All right, Clay, you got a senior and you got a sophomore. And they're on equal they're of equal talent. All right. Who do you start? Whoever the better one is. <laughs> no, they're of equal, they're talent. equal talent. I said I start the senior. I said, now if the sophomore's better, I'll play the sophomore. But if they're of equal talent, he well, why would you do that? You would start the sophomore. I said, why? Would, I said, why would I start a kid? The the, the he, why would you start the senior? And I said, because the senior's been there six years, yeah. busting his ass and earning that time on the deal. Now, like I say, you said of equal talent. Now, if the sophomore's better, hey, you 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 get paid to win ball games in high school, that's right. and that's the long and the short of it. You're gonna play the best guy, but if they're of equal talent, that senior earned that spot on that deal. And he just could not understand that. But that's the mentality of some of these parents that they they roll with. They just don't understand. I had people bitch at me because I was good friends with Wayne and Mitch, hung out with them all the time. And then Coach Steele and me were good friends. And in between Coach Steele and Wayne, we had micro midget coach here that was horrible. Yeah. And But but once Coach Steele and me, and we were good friends. So people would come bitch at me, and I'm like, you know what? I've never been with those guys. I said, you know what? This Friday we want to get our ass whooped. We're gonna play yeah. every kid in the wrong position. We're gonna get our ass whipped. Exactly. You know they may they may ever coach makes mistakes. Man, it's part of coaching. Yeah. But to think that they intentionally do it, and I've never heard one of them ever say, "You know what, Johnny over there, he's a damn good athlete, but he's an asshole, so we're not playing him." Yeah. They want to put that asshole kid on the field. I, here, here's a story. I, I'm at a we're playing in a softball tournament in Henrietta, which I got a few texts from a few people from Henrietta that sure appreciated me doing it. I'm over there, and I just got into it with one of our, and even a parent, 
This is a guy that coached a couple of kids, and he bad-mouthed our, our coaches, our, our, our softball coach the whole time. And, uh, oh, we went to state last year in spite of her, not because of her. I said, well, you're full of shit. You're the biggest dumbass. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, I went, to, da, da, I went to national. I said, hell, every goddamn little old town in North America has got a national now. I said, <laughs> so I said, that ain't no big deal. I said, but if you don't think that she did a hell of a job last year, you're, you're high. And uh, so I'm mad, and he finally – shut up and laugh and uh but anyway so i always go down there to the way out in the outfield to get away from all everybody because you know sometimes i can't hold myself restrained I, I wind up killing somebody in the stands and so i go out there well i get out there and a buddy of mine rowdy seward's out there sitting on the on the uh, back of his deal and we go talking about this 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 and this one guy comes up never seen him before in my life and, but we're talking about softball, and he goes, well, hey, uh, oh, you coach a little uh, softball? He said, which I coached a couple of or Henrietta girls at the time. He says, uh, well, let, let me tell you, ask you this. Let me ask you this. So you, you've coached a little bit. He goes, you got uh, your best player and your fastest player. Where would you play her? I said, well, that, that's kind of a, a hell of a question. I said, the hell, because I don't know. Uh, where I've never seen a kid play. I couldn't tell you one way or the other. And I, he said, well, uh, uh, well, would you put them on the bench? We we have our, talking about Henry, we have our best player and our fast player, and she's sitting over there on the bench. And I said, well, i tell you what, Hoss, if she's your best player and she's your fastest player and she's sitting on the bench, that probably means that she's not your best player and she's not your best fast player. And he goes, oh, yes, she is. She's my daughter. And I said, buddy, I knew that before you told me that. He even said a word. And he goes, well, I listen here, buddy. I coached at Port Arthur and I did this at Corpus Street. I said, yeah, if you was worth a shit, you'd still be doing it. And I said, I don't know what you're doing in life, but you're sitting over here on the other side of the fence with me so you must not been worth a shit at coaching so any good rodeo stories rodeo stories you rode some bulls some i can tell you, you said you I, were the I, world's worst bull rider yeah but i was more i was i was a way better clown i, I was a hell of a i picked up clown you know glenn lawson uh no he used to coach here for a little bit he clowns yeah i love i i got into clowning what, what was that one clown's name ron that that the, the rodeo guy, clown that had cancer. The guy that had cancer last, last year. year. Real nice guy. Uh, well, well, that's the wrong guy. You'll know him. But I, I, I tell you, you remember old Eddie Murphy Raw, right? Yeah. All right, now I'm going to tell these stories, and 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 they, I got to tell them. I got to I got to tell them. We, <laughs> There's we, a good story about your wife too. You said you're not allowed to. Tell yeah, them. I can't. Are tell you going to tell that tonight? I know, not unless y'all get me drunk and I, I slip up. But no, she's done. I don't want her whipping my yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah. Charles, ask Chuck about it. He's heard this story before. Uh, but now we're coming back from uh, my 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 girlfriend at the time. Well, now she's my wife. Mm -hmm. We're coming back from the Clarendon uh, rodeo, and. Uh, of course, Jaime said it was Clarence. I swear it was Childress. But anyway, we're coming back from one of them rodeos, Fourth July rodeo up there, in uh, uh, up there at Childress or Clarendon, and we're in. You know what a Plymouth Champ is? No. A champ. It's like a gremlin. Okay. Yeah, it's like a little old hatchback car, not very big. Uh -huh. My wife's got this uh, gremlin, four-speed gremlin or uh, champ, Plymouth Champ. Well, and like I say, it's just made really for four people. We've got me, Reese Bussy, Jaime Mataska, Kyle Skinner, Chad Lagunas, and my wife. 
We got six of us in this, in this little and we're sta- We've got, and these other guys are bull riders. I'm, I was clowning, and I was riding in ranch bronc ride. Well, the saddle I got won't fit, so I've got my saddle on top of the car, <laughs> and I've got it girded through the doors uh, so it right on top. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't get out the doors. You had to crawl out the windows. <laughs> but it's hot. We ain't got no air conditioner, and six of us packed into this up deal coming back from Childers. Well, I come up there, and, boy, and I get there at right there at Johnny Miller's place, right on right, right north of the uh, Wichita Bridge. And I pull over. I said, boys, I got a shit. <laughs> so, I, so I pull over, and I go out there, and I go take shit. And I'm sitting there. And uh, boy, and it was one of the baseball bat shits. You know where, <laughs> you know where you get, if you had a Louisville Slugger stamp, you could make money. You know, he comes out there, you just stamp it and go hit baseball with. It was hard as rock, too much cheese, I guess. And uh, so anyway, I, I got that old. <laughs> I got, I sit there and and this is where I was asking about Eddie Murphy Raw. You remember when he, when we were kids, he he said we were poor. We had to make our own entertainment. You know, we we get doo doo on a stick and and uh, we chase my sister around. Ma, Eddie got doo doo on a stick and he chasing me. I go to put it on it. Well, anyway, I get this Louisville Slugger turd on a stick, and I get that booger up there, and I've got it behind my pack. I walk up there and I stick that big ass turd through the damn gum window. And you talk about six people that look like refrigerator <laughs> magnets on the back, uh, back end of that hatchback deal. No! They screamed and I, I go to put it on you. And uh, before it's all went over with, they finally uh, Kelly got over there in the driver's seat and they left me sitting in the middle of the road with that. With your doo doo on the stick. Yeah, with doo doo on the stick. And, and that. Is how I learned. You you watch him soccer games over in Britain and wherever where mm-hmm. people get trampled to death. Yeah. Yep. I never realized how people could get trampled to death until duty on stick. Duty on stick. <laughs> because uh, one day, one day, my buddy Steve and Jeff, who were partners in crime, they had a play, and that was back when the Cowboys were good. We had a big NFC championship party over there. We had about mm-hmm. 30, 40 people over to this house well, over Jeff and Steve's. Well, their shitter don't work. And they had a honey bucket out there in the garage. So, well, of course, old Clay, he's still eating a lot of cheese. He goes out there to the uh, 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 honey bucket. And it's another one of them Louisville sluggers. <laughs> so I get me a stick, and I put a doo-doo on a stick. And then I go out there, and I walk in that front door where everybody's laid in there watching this watching game. The game. And, and that's when I learned how people die in a stampede. <laughs> in a stampede. Because 30 or 40 people trying to get through that kitchen doorway <laughs> at one time. It looked like a bunch of hogs trying to get in the trail. They were stuck. <laughs> and I chased them around. Well, before it was over, I had them scattered all over the damn neighborhood. And I'm laughing so hard I can't breathe, you know. Women, children alike. Everybody, they're, they're running for their life. Well, somebody called the law. And the law shows up. Oh, God. And old Jewel, the cop, old deputy, he comes driving up there and he goes, Hey, Clay, what do you got going on over here? I got a disturbance call. And I turned around, and I had that doo-doo on stick, and, I said, and I'm laughing. And I'm taking them around. I've chased them around town with this shit on a stick. And old Jewel, he never said, hi, my thing. So did you ever have bull? Tell us about some of your bullfighting. You ever get hurt? Oh, yeah, the very first one I got hurt. 
Hell, the very first bull I fought was at Childers. Uh, I had a buddy named Brandon Dunn, and uh, he, you know, he'd been doing it. His uncle, world famous Rex Dunn, and and uh, but uh, Brandon was young, but he had a lot of experience in it. And uh, I was my buddy Scott Burkett was the guy that owned the stock producing deal, and I would clown for the fees of the ranch bronc ride because I loved riding ranch bronc ride. So I'd do the bulls, I'd do the bulls. And then the the next event was Ranch Bronco. So I never had, I just ride my clown get up. Everybody <laughs> thought I was doing it just for shit and grin. I was actually <laughs> trying to get a check. I never did, but I was trying. And uh, But the very first bull at that rodeo, bull come out, and uh, uh, Jody Metaska got hung up, and I went went to him, got him undone, the bull. Uh, Brandon was at the head working him, and he got Knocked old Brandon down, and then I come over there, and I, I come in between and got him off of everybody, and then I took off the run. I've got these little Astro turf shoes. You know, I was a poor boy. Hell, I was living in a tent at the time. I barely had cleats. And, uh, but they were Astro turf shoes, and they were about eight sizes too big. But uh, that's all I had. And I, of course, that bull lined me out, and I was going to give him an old inside-outside move. And <laughs> hell, when I went give him the inside move, my old feet went whoop, and that bull run right over the top of me and freight trained me. And boy, as soon as he did, I just jumped, jumped up to my knees, shot my pistols at him. Didn't give a damn, you know. I was like, all right, <laughs> you better be running, you so You know, I'm entertaining. Well, then I get up, and old Brandon comes over, and he goes, hey, good job, you know, all right. And he goes, Hey, uh, you're bleeding. I said, nah, I think it's sweat. Hell, that <laughs> bull had stepped right on my face. Hell, I never even, never even knew it. Never even bothered me. God I got a picture of me and old Brandon. I'll bring it down here sometime. Me, Brandon, Scott in front. My old face looked like freaking hamburger meat. But so I guess there's an art to that. We're gonna get into some bull. We're gonna get into some clown talk now because we've already touched everything else from your sister being a stripper to oh yeah talk clowns. So when, when when these bulls come out, somebody works the front and the back. You said. So how do you get these guys hung up without getting your ass trampled? I mean, well, not so really so much front and back. I mean, I mean, you just it, there is no rhyme or reason. The the. The main thing, which there is a lot of things, you, you know, right-handed guy, you got to know which way to turn, take the bull away from his hand to get off. You know, I mean, there's a lot of little things like that to be technically good. But when it comes down to it, you just got to have a set of balls. I mean, you yeah. got to you got to have the nuts to uh, when the shit goes down. You got to be right in there and amongst it, and and that's. You know that that was naturally made for me. And then I I was a pretty good entertainer at times. You know I should have started it ten years earlier. I would uh, hell I'd probably still be clown because I absolutely love. Do you think it's uh, a lot of balls or lacks of, lack of brains on some of that stuff? Uh, well, that's the same thing. They go hand in hand. It depends on if you're telling the bull rider that or somebody else. Yeah. That's a bitch ain't got no brain. But if you're talking to him, boy, you got some really big balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, now from from someone, doing, I've been to lots of rodeos, a lot more rodeo dances and rodeos. Yeah, but. I don't understand. I watch these guys on TV, and they tie themselves this fucking bull. That's the last fucking thing I would do. Yeah. I'd want to get off that son of a bitch as soon as it bucked. Yeah. Well, if you gave me a million dollars to ride a fucking bull, I'd last a half a second because I'd look like a yard dirt getting off that son of a bitch. I don't care how far. First buck, I'm going. Well, I know a lot of guys that did it a long time that did just that, but they wanted to be called the bull rider. And, see, and then they were... 
I knew some good guys that were good son of a bitch. That's like my buddy Marvin. You know, the the, the axe murder buddy of mine yes. that didn't rat me out for axe. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marvin, we started riding bulls together when we were 16 years old. That son of a gun, we, somebody said, hey, we're going over Ricky Kyle's to a bull riding over there. I said, hell yeah, I'll ride a bull. I ain't fucking scared of nothing. I ain't scared of the devil itself. Let's go. So me and Marvin, we go over there to uh, this, uh, over there, off of Pecan Way, over in the hood in uh, uh, Wichita on east side. And I was like, I thought they were setting us up to get rolled the first time I went down there. I said, <laughs> I said, hey, hey, boys, be on the alert because I ain't never known there was no rodeo arena over here on the east side. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, we get down there by the river, and old Ricky Kyle had him in old uh, bucking arena, cool spot. And uh, we get down there. Well, my buddy Marvin, he rode that bull and spurred the hair out off, and like he'd been doing it his whole life. Of course, I got bucked off immediately, and, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't that I fell off. It wasn't that I jumped off, but I had no talent. I was <laughs> I was horrible. And uh, uh, Bobby, is like last bull I rode, Bobby Bosky said, you got more try and less talent than some bitch I know. More try and less talent. Because I would, I would hang on after I was already bucked off 30 minutes ago. Ride this motherfucker goddamn. And, uh, <laughs> You to a fault. Did you ever ride one eight seconds? Oh yeah, I rode. So yeah, I rode a bunch. Matter of fact, the the last three bulls I rode was over at Blackwall Arena, and I didn't have no money to enter it, so they let me ride an exhibition. Two of the two of the three bulls I rode that night, I would have won a son of a bitch. I, the the one time in my <laughs> life I would have won something. I didn't have no fifty dollars. Yeah, so nah, I mean I I get them covered occasionally, but I I wouldn't call myself a good bull rider by no means. And uh, but and, and every. Every uh, every man has his his turn. You and got then more he'll get try and less talent. Did, did uh, I guess you've seen the video? There's one circulating right now. Of those guys getting the ring with the bull, and they they've got a circle drawn around them, and they got. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Would you have you done that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's two hundred fifty dollars, man. I got the couple of them bull boys got damned. What is it? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, hurt you. They let a bull go out of a like a shoot, like it's gonna buck. And there's like eight rings out there, and guys sitting in a circle. You got to like stay. In, last guy to stay in his ring. Kind of like the, the poker, pop. where they're playing the, the yeah, poker game, like poker just like game. that. Yeah. But they're standing up, and that bull comes at them, and if they go out of their circle, they lose. Really. And a couple guys get totally trashed. Oh, ain't yeah, there, there's a story up there, and uh, there, uh, my buddy named Dennis Holbrook, who died in a tractor accident a few years back. He, Dennis, was damn good. Uh, bareback rider and of course he kind of he was older than us he kind of took me and old marvin in we'd go over to his place and ride his he had a machine and and anyway he said hell let's go up there and enter that uh great plains coliseum rodeo and we go up there i rode the bulls and he rode the bareback and i was after the first night i was in third and he was winning the bareback riding and uh well uh the first night we was there they had the uh bounty bull where they put a rope around the bull's neck mm -hmm. and uh you know you win Two hundred fifty dollars, and if, who you had like a five minute time limit. Whoever can get it off in five before five minutes. Well, the first night we was there, you know, like I say, I was riding, so I was preparing. But I, I watched it, and they, at, in the middle of the arena, they had a line. Everybody got, up, which they had a lot of army guys. You know, Fort Sill right there had a lot of army guys. They wanted that two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> cigarette money. So they had them all lined up out there while they turned the bull out. Well, hell, it was just, it wasn't a bull. It was like a Mexican fighting bull, a little bitty son of a gun. And, you know, it didn't weigh five, 600 pounds. Well, hell, they all just went and mauled that son of a gun. And so, well, shit, hell, they, that guy won it in a minute. And I go, God dang, I could have won that. I could have won $250. I, 
So the next night, when we had to go back because we thought we might be able to get a check, I brought my titty shoes. I won't <laughs> get in the uh, bounty bull. So, boy, the, they, the ladies and gentlemen, we got the bounty bull competition. Come on out here. And, boy, I come out and I sign that release. So we, we, we all get out in the middle of this deal, and I'm digging in because all I know is I got to outrun them to the chute where that bull's coming out. I just got to get there fast. So I'm digging in, and all of a sudden I hear this Mexican boy next to me go, holy shit, look at the size of that son of a bitch. <laughs> and I looked up. And it ain't no little old 500-pound Mexican. <laughs> Remember the old Schlitz malt liquor bull, yeah. big black brammer bull with the big giant fuzzy horns on both ends? That's what he is. And they've got two hot shots hooking this up. <laughs> shocking this son of a bitch. And when they turn that black bull out, he is not happy. <laughs> well, of course, Clay, he's been around livestock a little bit. When that bull turned out, Clay went the other way. And all them god dang army soldiers went to him. And it looked like popcorn for about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was throwing them goddamn, I mean, just killing people. And I was like, holy shit. So I kind of sat out there a minute and kind of see. I thought, well, maybe he'll die. You know, he'll get tired of killing all these guys. And then finally, the time was getting low, so I had to go in there. So I go in there and make my move. And I grab that bull by the ear, and I'm fighting, I'm fighting, and we're going in, of course, in a real tight circle. And he's getting closer. He's getting closer. I said, shit, I got to go. And I took <laughs> off running, and, I, and at the Coliseum, it's about, oh, it's about a five-foot high, and it's got rails up there. Boy, and I just barely got hopped up there in that rail when that son of a bitch hit me in my <laughs> Shot me about <laughs> ten rolls up in there. <laughs> and then the time expired. But uh, and we got over. What was funny is I, I borrowed – Nobody won the bounty that yeah. night, but uh, but I uh, borrowed his shirt off of Dennis, brand new pearl snap button shirt. Boy, I, I wanted that shirt. I was going to try to steal it from him, but uh, he had blood all over it, and I wasn't <laughs> bleeding nowhere. Yeah, that bull was tearing some people up. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, it ain't for the faint of heart. So what makes a good uh, like you see the clowns that do the pre the PBR and stuff like that? Is there is it just who you know, or is there a skill set, or do those guys work the the amateur rodeos? Oh no, you got to. I mean, you get up there to the big level. I mean, anybody can do it, but you got to be quick footed. Mm -hmm. But the biggest part is you. I mean, you got to have a lot of quickness, but you also got to be able going back what we were talking about being able to read it read mm -hmm. them cattle right. read them coyotes it's the exact same thing you got to be able to read which way what and, and uh recognize what that bull can do and can't do by the way he comes at you right. and, and uh and i mean it's when to see some of them got like rex nunn uh brandon's uncle i went up there one time we was gonna sell him a bull and I wind up running the bull, and he goes, hey, old Brandon says you're going to be a bullfighter. And I said, oh, well, I'm just doing it really paying my fees, but I do like it. He said, well, get out here, son. He had this bull. I think his name Jaws. Big old horn son of a bitch. Brandon bull. And uh, he said, get out there. Let's we'll see what you can do to old Jaws. He just come back from the NFR. He still got the uh, uh, stickers on his uh, ass. The, and uh, so he turned that bull out. And I worked my ass off to keep from getting killed. <laughs> and uh, he finally did hook me towards the end, knock me down a little bit. But I finally did all right. But everything I did was pure ass work to stay alive. <laughs> and then old, old Rex, he's got freaking galoshes over his boots. And they're not snapped. I mean, just flopping around. 
He goes, let, let me tell you, give you some pointers. And he walks out there with that bull, and it was like a he was square dancing with him. It was so how how easy it was from him. But his experience and his talent mm -hmm. was just, I mean, it, it come to a head. You could see it immediately. And that was, that was like, man, it's kind of like when the coyote, uh, the wily coyote, Chasing the bug, the uh, road runner, and he hits that other gear, and the coyote's jaw drops to the ground. Yeah. That's kind of the way I was over at the corner. <laughs> going, oh shit! I ain't got, I ain't catching this goddamn road runner. Yeah. yeah so did, you, was, did you ever get in the barrel? In the barrel? No. Yeah. But I do got a barrel given to me by uh, uh, Buffy Knees. Uh, Buffy was an old clown from Iowa Park, good son of a gun, and uh, he died. He had a diabetic, and he, he went up to. Uh, uh, Detroit, Michigan. He gets up Detroit, Michigan. He's driving a truck, and he gets in that truck and gonna go sleep. And he gets caught in between the seat, and he gets and he can't get out. He's stuck in this rig, parked on the side of the road, in Detroit, Michigan, and he can't get out of it. And he's, he's uh, diabetic, and he can't get his insulin, mm. and he winds up dying Jeez. up there. And wow. uh, so they called a buddy of ours, old Clay Witherspoon, and a couple other guys. From Iowa Park, they gotta go get the body. Oof. They go all the way to Detroit, Michigan, and getting some dive. They said it was the hood where they had old old Buffy at, and they put that some gun in the back of this goddamn uh, 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 car of theirs and drove all the way from Detroit, Michigan, <laughs> with Buffy's dead body. Got drunker than hell the whole way back. They said, and uh, they'd ask old Buffy, "You need one?" <laughs> ah, he said he's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he gave me a barrel and i still got that barrel but, but you never been in it then nah nah i could never my nuts wasn't that big that's a hell that's not much room oh well and the barrel i had didn't have no pad on i was gonna have to redo it and i did and he said well hell just do it the way it is and i think there's a reason there's padding on there <laughs> <laughs> yeah inside and out i just couldn't do it yeah. but but yeah there was uh, that's what i should have been doing the whole time i sucked as I, I I love bronc riding. I love, but you know that Marvin guy I was telling you about, my buddy. Yeah, yes, he rode that bull that first day. He rode thirty three straight bulls, never got bucked off. And I mean, he was a natural. I mean, and I was I was glad he was my friend. <laughs> you know, that's my buddy. That's my buddy. You know, and uh, of course, he went and got him the fancy. Bought him a brand new rigging uh, bull rope. Bought him brand new leggings, the whole deal. He went all out, and he was he was good. And uh, uh, but he went over. He was over there at uh, McGargle riding the bull, and the goddamn son of a gun. Uh, he kind of half-ass got hung up for just a sec, and the bull walked up on his leg and his back. Marvin said, "I'm done." Wow. He was done. I said, "No, you can't be done." No, man, we're buddies. We got, we, we're traveling, man. <laughs> we're traveling. I got, somebody's got to win some money to yeah. pay for the gas. And he give up. And I still got his. I got his leggings. I got his all his stuff because uh, I bought it because he retired after that. And I, got, <laughs> I got all his stuff. But that damn Marvin, he was he, his talent was good, and yeah. he had a talent for getting me uh, talking me into some dumb shit. When we were, we were about fifteen years old. He tells me it was over to his house, and he said, uh, we're watching cartoons. He said, hey, Clay. He knew what to say. He said, let's see how tough you are. I said, I'm tough. He said, no, let's, uh, let me hit you with this clothes hanger across the back as hard as I can. I 
So, okay. <laughs> and so I get down. I take my shirt off, and I get down in this daggum uh, living room floor on my hands and knees, and I let this son of a bitch hit me with a clothes hanger as hard as he could. It gashed me across my back. <laughs> I mean... And I broke in half getting up off the deal. And I did the chicken dance for a minute. I screamed like a bloody mother. And I said, I can't believe I let you talk me into that. I can't believe you actually did. And we laughed about it a minute. So we go over there. We're sitting in their chair watching cartoons again. And next thing you know, he says, Hey, Clay, let me see how tough you are. I said, uh. You didn't hit me with that fucking hanger again. <laughs> he goes, no. He said, let me hit you with this boot. On the forehead as hard as I can. Okay. And so I get down on my knees, and I sit there, and it's an Adam's boot. And the reason I know it's an Adam's boot, because after he hit me with the heel of that boot, I had Adam stamped to the top of my forehead. He hit me so goddamn hard with that deal. I proved to him I was tough, God tough. Damn. I'm tough. So Listen, I'm Biden. tough. The pretty boys, they are ropers, aren't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. so Wayne, Wayne would have been a roper. Oh, yeah, he? definitely. Yeah, he was a pretty boy roper, yeah. And, did, uh, did you ever do roping? Me? Yeah. Hell, I still do roping. But yeah, but not, you're doing but it for no, a job. Yeah. No, I wasn't, I wasn't that guy. I've done some double mugging and stuff like that, but that team roping. Well, well team roping is uh, they got a deal called Dally. Mm-hmm. Well, you know where the Dally was created? The Dally was created in California. All right, and uh, uh, the the story is that the, the Texas cowboy, you know, when we catch something, we mean to stay with it. We ain't here to let go of nothing. And, the, you know, the dally, you just dally around the horn, and if you get in a shit storm, you just turn the end loose and you're released. Cowboy, he ties on hard and fast. We catch something, we're going to stay with it. And the other deal is when you dally, there's a lot of uh, four-fingered dalliers because when you dally, a lot of times you, you mess a deal, you uh, suck them dallies down on your thumb, and it'll pop your thumb right off. Oh. You see that scar? I'm showing them a scar across my thumb. I was in the mountains of New Mexico chasing a yearling, and I'm running nine miles an hour through the pinyon pine trees, and I'm coming there, and I've got a loop shook out. And I'd already had to cut my rope because I had gotten in a bind, and I had to use part of it to tie a yearling down. But I was after this one. It was pissing me off. And I'm going through there, and I hung that loop in a tree. When I hung that loop in that tree, I went to dally it to pull it out, running 9-0. But I throwed that thumb right Ooh. down in that dally. And thank God the uh, tree branch broke before my thumb popped off. and didn't have enough torque. But, I mean, it damn near did. And an old Elmer Joe guy was with me. He said, uh. You scream just like a woman. And I can remember it when that son of a bitch come tied on my thumb. Ah! I mean, just like a little girl. And, boy, I went to, I went to kissing that deal, and I said, I will never dally. I promise. I will never dally again. And I won't. Hell, yeah. I like, I like giving high fives, not high four and a half. Yeah. So, on Facebook, Jeff posted a picture of us tonight. And uh, are you doing any training? Guys want to know. Are you are – you, are you training for a marathon or anything? You're drinking water tonight is what uh, no. Charles Allen Steele says. Water tonight. Yeah, well, but there's a Coors Light next to it. Well, I guess yeah, they didn't yeah, see I it. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Coach Steele says water. He's drinking water? That's because I was so 
freaking screwed up uh, <laughs> Saturday night. I'm still hungover. Yeah. But so, I, so they I, didn't I, know if you were training for a marathon or what was going nah, on. I've been trying to get back to running, and uh, hell, about the time I did, uh, my damn foot. I'm having trouble with my foot. Yeah, you had toe problems the other day. I saw on Facebook. Yeah, that was that was from the drunkenness. Yeah, that was from when I did a backflip into the pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they said, well, you can't even do a backflip. Well, hell, I can do a backflip standing out. You know, that, they used to bet me money that I could, I could do a standing backflip. But now my courage ain't nearly as, as deal. But getting brains or now. Your brains are, ba- uh, balls are getting smaller and your yeah, brains exactly. are getting bigger. Yeah, that is, boy, that'd be funny if it wasn't true. <laughs> God dang it. So, Nothing about old people have ball problems, don't they? But my, my balls grew large at the freaking Comfort Inn in, <laughs> in Plano, Texas this weekend because it took me 10 gainers to get one done and several backflips. And I was cutting a promo, uh, one of the last podcasts we did, and I sat right on my nuts right in the middle of it, right oh. on my left one. And I kind of like you, I scream like a little girl. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's what pisses me off. You know, why can't your your nuts, the older you get, your nuts drop? Yes. And I mean, they just keep going. Yes. Why can't you, you goddamn Peter do the same? Because it seems to be drawing up. Yeah. I'm like, hey, this is this is the wrong way here, boy. It's turtle head and it's going yeah, back yeah, in. We, we yeah. need to figure that out. Yeah. But yeah, I did. I went, get... I went to readjust and I right on that left one and I. There ain't nothing worse than getting hit with the balls. These are women that talk about having a baby, about how bad it hurts. Oh, yeah. And having a baby does not hurt as bad as getting kicked in the balls. And it's a scientific reason. I got a scientific fact for uh-huh. that. I have heard many women say, boy, I'd sure like to have another kid. But I've never heard a man ever say, boy, I wish I'd get kicked in the balls again. Hey, let's do that again, yeah. Jeff. Just, just one more time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I just one more nut, yeah, good proven. kick in the nuts, yeah. I just want to do it. Oh, my God. I would. I it's, it's like the man flu. Man flu is worse than anything a woman can ever get. Yeah. Yeah, you probably don't get the man flu much. The I man you, when's the last time you called in sick to work? When man. you're sick, you're sick. Yeah, you know, I, women don't understand that shit. They're sick all the time, but when a man gets sick, yeah, it's, it's serious it's shit. For, it's for real. Yeah, yeah, that ain't no lie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't remember the last time I've been sick. Thank, oh yeah, I do remember. I had strep throat, mono, and tonsillitis all at the same man time. Flu. Man flu. Man flu. You're down, and your wife I, needed to cater to you. Matter of fact, and this has proved them. Bitches that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Hell, I went up there. I was in a play. I was doing a play at the Royal Theater, my first and only play. And uh, 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 but I was in this play, and I had all this, and I had to miss the opening night. No, I made opening night. I had to miss the next night because I had big fever, and uh, and so I get up there, and that doctor, he he said, twenty-seven years. That's the worst throat i've ever seen in my life my, my wife kept calling me a puss you know yeah and uh i said well hey i got i got a doctor here 27 <laughs> years ain't seen as bad he got nurses coming in and like, come in and look at this yeah that was bad i almost killed myself over that deal because uh not intentionally this time but uh uh he come over there he, he he said uh he give me a uh uh Liquid lidocaine. It's like a gel. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I had to take that. Yeah, and and, and so, uh, you know, so I get it, and I'm, I'm going down Brook Street. You know, we have to come from the pharmacy. You come from that deal. And I look on the jar, and it says, gargle. Gargle. Okay. I need some relief because I can't even swallow my spit at this time. And I throwed that some gun up, and he it was a lie. There's no way because it was like gargling. As soon as I put it in my mouth, it was like gargling battery acid. It was so bad. I mean, 
I had to immediately slam on the brakes, jump out of the car, right in the middle of traffic, right in the middle of the deal. Kelly's trying to get, still in gear. And, uh, and I mean, I'm almost dying because uh-huh. it was so freaking bad. And I called the doctor and said, hey, I almost got killed down here in the deal. And of course, I'm going, hey, I was going to get killed there because I can't talk. And uh, he says, oh, no, you know, you know, gargle with that. You put a little bit on a uh, Q-tip and swab it up there. I said, well, that's the information yeah. I could have used before I damn near killed him. <laughs> yeah. On Brook Street. Drank half a bottle. Did, of- did you feel better, though, after you gargled it? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was funny. I did that, that play. You know, I hear I'm a redneck, hillbilly son of a bitch. Ain't never been on a stage in his life. And I get up there, and they asked my uh, my wife's uncle was directing it. And my buddy, Abby, uh, he uh, he wrote the play. And, uh, of course, hell, it, kind of my own natural setting. But I said, oh, yeah, you got to do that. got to do So just a couple of lines. Well, when I first got into it, I had two lines. By the end of the deal, I was in one scene and two lines. Well, by the end of it, I was in three scenes and like 60 lines. And uh, they expanded my role. I took to it like a duck to water. And uh, But anyway, after it was all over with, Dallas Morning News comes up there and they do a big crit, critic, uh, critique it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I still got the article at the house. And it says, uh, and they bashed the whole play. The whole play, they said, sucked. Da, 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 da. And I don't I don't know where they got that from because I thought it was pretty good. And it, everybody loved it. And But you know how them Dallas people are. But anyway, at the end of this article, this little old critique of it, this column, it says, the one shining star through the dark clouds was the ever-lovable Wayne, played by Clay Reed, who seemed such a natural upon stage. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I bet I they heard about that at the cafe, didn't oh, they? Oh, yeah, I give Abby hell, because Abby, Abby hell, he, he studied at Jilliard, you know, acting school in New York. He'd been all us. Yep, boys. I'm putting on a school on Thursday at 7.30. <laughs> Y'all need to pre-register by 5. Yeah, it's funny. As a matter of fact, they asked me to do another one here in July, and I, I had to turn them down. Any more wife stories? Old, wife stories. Current wife, practice wife? Yeah. Better stay away from Your practice stay wife. Stay away from was the a current hit. wife. Yeah, I'm the practice you. wife now. She, yeah, she is a hit. Yeah, she's, mm-hmm. she, uh, she's a hoot. That whole daggum family, they're funny, but uh, she's pretty tamed off, went, went her other way, but... She did have the biggest set of titties there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they're really, really big now. <laughs> nah. Well, hell, half your buddy's been married to them. I know it. That's so, well, some were, some weren't. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, she she got a tattoo down there of a black widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we went to the, uh, my wife and I, we took our, and we met my brother Zach and his daughter. We went to the little water park. Up in Wichita Falls, and we went to the Burke Burnett one, and there was a lady there, and right above her nether region, she had "Hello Kitty" tattooed <laughs> right above her little bikini line. She's got a fucking, she's got a three or four year old kid. I'm like, God, uh, you, just, you see it all at the fucking yeah, water park, yeah, don't yeah, you? It's like my, my, my buddy's wife, he, uh, he's got a, I won't say the buddy, but his wife's got a, a right above her. Uh, but on the small of her back, it says, lucky you. <laughs> 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 Hell, my boy, my boy, he's got a, 
He's got your name tattooed on his ass. And I mean, really? your name? the word, your, your name. name. <laughs> but yeah. you remember old Barnyard Canard? Yes, I do. Old Barnyard, we was down there. Hell, I think it was the night he got a DWI. Pulling Which one? The, well, when he was pulling the John Deere tractor and the plow down Scott Street. Okay. Plowing. And, uh, yeah, they frown on that shit downtown. And uh, But I think it was that night because we were over at a, a house by the flea market. And we get over there in Barnyard. Of course, I'm drunk, he's drunk. He said, hey, Reed, I bet you I got your name tattooed on my ass. And I think I was about the 30th guy he'd got with me. But anyway, mm-hmm. I lost money. I remember him he, when he had that tattoo. He pulled that yep. damn tattoo down there and he had your, your name, name tattooed on I was a son of a bitch. And I told that story. I never should have told that story to my son. Now he's got that somebody's tattooed on his ass. Yeah. You've done it all, Clay. Oh, uh, yeah. We had some. We, wild, got, we got no guy in town. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him now, but his name's Tommy Mangus. <laughs> Anyways, Tom, Tommy works for the city. He's a, he's a good guy. Anyways, Tommy was at the country club one night. I was there, and he had a date. This lady, I'd never met her before, and I introduced myself to her, and I said, now, are you, you're out with old T.A. over there. She goes, who? I said, T.A. She goes, I'm with Tommy. I said, no, that's T.A. I said, that's his nickname. I said, you don't know about that? She goes, no. I said, you don't know why they claim T.A.? And he's like, huh? He don't know what the hell's going on. He's like, what, look at me. I said, oh, yeah. I said, he's got T.A. tattooed on the head of his dick. When it gets big, it says Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tommy, yeah. he didn't know what to do. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. good. So yeah. What, what uh, any hunting going on? When do, you, when do you start your predator hunting again? Yeah, September, we're going to. October? Well, t- like next three days, I'm, I've got some uh, uh, hog hunters. We're going uh, Benton Bowman, my buddy from up there he's another fox pro guy he, he's coming down we're taking three guys out hunting they sponsored my hunt my texas cow calling championship back in uh, uh january they they donated some money so we're going to take them out and kill some. but really you know as far as the cows go i'm not a like right now you know i don't mind killing a cow but i don't like starving a bunch of pups out yeah. you know you know right, right now uh but they're in den and and like I say, I I, I do. I'm more, I'm kind of like a deer hunter. I got a January, February, March. That's I got a season. That's, that's when I do. And I OD on January, February, <laughs> March. And then I could really give a shit if I picked up a rifle the rest of the year. Do you? Um, Isn't that something? You you do awesome. Hunt. Do you ever get these guys? You sucker these guys into these awesome hunts. You do because well you're gonna win them. Sometimes I win them. Sometimes I don't. But yeah. you, you're always baiting them poor guys around Archer City, and they just fall right in, don't they? These guys that I'm baiting, they have taken a lot of money from me, just like I've So you taken don't feel it. sorry for when no, you beat them? No, hell no. But usually on the Awesome's front, which the last two, uh, which we did good. And Awesome's is a convenience store, and every small town in West Texas has one, and you can get burritos, Pepto-Bismol, suppositories rubbers if you've got if you're if you think you're gonna have a hangover the next day the best cure just go get you an also burrito gut bomb we yep. call them gut bomb you gotta yeah. have something to throw up oh yeah so yeah, that yeah. so that's what an awesome is so go ahead and explain yeah we awesome. go to the awesome well awesome you know usually we wait until the most worst of worst conditions you know usually it's snow blizzard ice coming around everywhere and uh and they're and the but the good thing about it, well, I'll post on Facebook, boys. Hey, we're gonna have an awesome site, and uh, so uh, and, and everybody, uh, and you don't even have to show up to sign in. You say everybody will show up at uh, midnight, 
awesome hunts over at midnight. And everybody show up and pay your dues and figure out who won. But the good thing about an awesome hunt, there is no rules. However you can kill a cow, you kill that cow. And really up until this year, the most cows I ever wanted was one cow. One time I won it one year. We're coming down there. We're going down Highway 82. We come through Mankins. It's a blizzard. Ice cold. I mean, there's about two inches of ice on the highway. Can't drive 30 miles an hour. We're driving down. We ain't seen an animal. And we're trying to talk ourselves to get out of the car to even try to make a call. But we're, we've done been to the dead pile. But anyway, nobody in the hunt had killed anything that we'd heard of. We're driving down the road. We said, hell with it. Let's go back to Allsup's and holiday and get us a burrito and a cup of coffee and try to figure his game plan out. Running out of time anyway. And I'll be dang, no sooner than I said that, standing on the yellow stripe in the middle of Highway 82 is a coyote. And we pulled the Duke boys on him. I said, get, I said, get ready, get ready, Dwayne. Dwayne Elston, my little buddy, his short buddy, lives in Stephenville. We call him the shrub. His family's tree was a shrub. <laughs> and uh, so Dwayne's in the pasture deal. I said, get ready, Dwayne. And old Dwayne hangs that gun out the deal, and I turned her in sideways. Of course, they ain't making no noise because it's solid eye. We turn that sunbitch sideways, and when it comes to stop, that cow was just sitting there like, what the hell? And uh, Dwayne shot him right there on the yellow stripe, and that's what <laughs> that cow was what won the uh, awesome hunt. And then, and then last year, uh, 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 Jaime Metaska and uh, Trey Mobley's boy Morgan, who he's about 14 years old, they get in it and they're over at Petrolia. And, uh, well, they kill a cow right off the bat. And uh, I said, well, good deal, you know. First call, they kill a cow. Well, then throughout the hunt, nobody else kills anything. We show up at the Allsup's and we're waiting at the Allsup's. And uh, Jaime, I said, well, Jaime, where y'all at? Y'all ain't showed up. And he goes, that god dang Sam Fleming and Dustin Jaton, they're supposed to come by and pick us up. And they got drunk and I'm sure they're passed out. They didn't come by to get him, so he didn't have a way to get over. And this this awesome hunt paid two thousand dollars. We had a lot of guys in it, you know. Gee, and, yes. uh, paid two thousand dollars. He all he's got to do is get there, and uh, they can't get there. And I said, well, that, that's uh well. Anyway, about fifteen minutes later, and the time's almost run. No matter of fact, yeah, time's pretty close to run now. And Casey Hoff calls me. He's well, we're going to bed. How'd y'all do? I said, ain't nobody killed nothing. Jaime killed one, but he can't get here. He goes, I got to go click. <laughs> and I, I thought, oh, what was that about? So anyway, we're sitting there. We're waiting. We're waiting. And all of a sudden, I, uh, uh, right there in front of Alsop, here comes Casey. Come flying in there hot. Solid ice, man. <laughs> he coming in there hot. It, it, and he comes in there flying sideways. And uh, how he gets it shut down right before he goes through the middle of Alsop was a miracle. <laughs> but he comes in there. And he said, well, am I on time? I said, nope, you're five minutes late. He goes, son of a bitch. And I said, well, did you kill anything? He goes, yeah, we got one. I said, well, I guess you win it anyway because didn't nobody kill a son of a bitch anyway. So you get it. So he got the cow. And I said, what was the deal on the cow? And he goes, well, when I was talking to you, we killed this cow early. He said, but we killed him in a big hay barn, and there was a big bunch of round bells, and he fell down in the middle of them round bells, and we couldn't get to him. He said, but as soon as you told me that uh, one cow, nobody killed anything, 
We hauled ass down there and woke that Mexican up down there at the shack and made him drive that tractor down there, and he drove down there and moved them hay bales. We got to go. Whoa. <laughs> Big old mangy cow. And he said, oh, well, it paid off. It paid. So I don't always win. <laughs> but I, I, I did, I did throw them. I did do them dirty this time. No, I didn't really do them dirty. That last time, Benton had left all his thermal stuff at the at the deal, and I mean that thermal is a huge advantage, mm-hmm. as I was saying early. And uh, so, but somebody posted on Facebook, "Hey, can you use thermal?" And I said, "Hey, it's an awesome hunt. There ain't no rules. You can run over them, kill them however you want." So I, I put that out there, but everybody knows that. So anyway, we had hell. My collar went screwing up. I screwed my battery pack up, da-da-da. So I had to, at 9.30 that night, and the hunt's over at, at 12. At 9.30 that night, we didn't have nothing. But then we went down here to the feed yard, and we killed one. Then we went to another, we killed. Well, then we got on a row, we killed one. I think we wound up killing eight cows real fast on successive calls. And, uh. But and and hell, one of our old rivals, my buddy, uh, Kendall, they were mad. Him and Johnny Owens, they were mad. They killed like four, which for an awesome hunt, that's amazing, you know. And you know, we kept in here with eight. They were pretty pissed. So so that this is just happens at Archer City though, right? Yeah. It's Archer City awesome yeah. still. Yeah. And it's just time limit. Whoever comes in with the most coyotes. Yeah, and it was funny. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just time limit. We start at like seven o'clock. Whoever killed right. most coyotes in those five hours. Takes but what was funny? It was Benton Bowman. He lives in Virginia. Benton. Uh, he enters deal. We we win it and all that. And then he said, "Clay, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy." And I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "This shit don't happen in Virginia, son." <laughs> he said, "This don't happen." I said, "Well, y'all don't y'all don't get every." get together and have a hunt you know and he goes oh fuck no son he said and we goddamn sure don't sit on the back of the pickup after it's over and shit and giggle with each other and have a good time i said well ain't you glad you're in yeah. texas you know because after it was over with we was all laughing and fun and you know talking about what we did right what we did wrong he said you do that in virginia people swole they mad they leaving they don't do that you know, that's crazy. A lot of it has to be being in Texas. You get that all the time. We have guys on hunts, and they're like, uh, "Do we have to? Take, can we take our gun out of a case?" Yeah, you're in Texas. You know, yeah. you can load it up on the road, and you oh, can't yeah. shoot it on the on a. You can't shoot it on the yellow stripe to shoot a coyote. But yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but if you're on private land, you can do whatever you want to. And people just sometimes do not understand that. Yeah, and especially in a small town, and you know where, where we live in Archer City and stuff. People, it's it's not that unusual. If you did that in Knox City, nobody would think nothing oh, of it. Oh, hell, yeah. But now, if you did it in Dallas, Texas, yeah, yeah, you'd be frowned on. <laughs> yeah. Fort Worth, it might not be. Well, some neighborhoods in Fort Worth, it would be. Yeah. But but, but that's just, that's Texas. Yeah, yeah. It, that's why they call it God's country for that's a right. reason, by yep. God. You know, and that, I was thinking the other day, there's so, it's amazing how big Texas freaking is. I mean, you know, somebody, I, I seen something on Facebook where they, put the outline of texas over europe the other day yeah and it was amazing yeah. how big that freaking state is and all the difference uh all the different uh oh types of terrain yeah you know yes. you, you can yep. go to the mountains down there and alpine and all that in there or you can go to the prairie or you can go to the big forest i mean 
All you got to do is drive a minute and, and all those different deals, areas. You can go to the swamps from Beaumont. <laughs> Hell, you swear you're in Louisiana. Yeah, it's it's a very. Uh, we we, we had drove Wyman Menzer on, and that's what we talked about was just how diverse Texas is. Yeah. I went from Boston. One time we, we, we went to Maine and Boston and New York City, and we, we drove from Boston to New York City. Then when New York City, we turned our rental car in. But from Boston to New York City, we went through like four states in about 45 minutes, yeah. you know? And she just can't drive to Seymour, you know, it in that time. It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you get people – we get people out here talking like, oh, where's your closest Walmart? Now it's 30 minutes away, but it used to be an hour away growing up. Yeah. They're like, how the hell do you do it? I mean, you just fucking get up and go. Yeah, it I mean, blows their mind. Not very difficult. But, I mean, it. It, it, it in, in my business, you know, it's kind of like cowboy. And it, uh, it's funny, you know, how you say you're, you're punching cows in Fort Worth, Texas, around there. It's a little different, you know, when somebody says, uh, uh, how big is this place? Oh, it's a big-ass pasture. Mm-hmm. How big is it? Oh, it's 300 acres. I said, oh, shit. Really? You know, out there in uh, New Mexico, we got out there. For, we got there in the middle of the night, and the guy said, just turn your horses out because they're right here in the trap. You're in the trap. Well, the next morning, I lost the deal. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, I got jingle horses, which means you you leave a horse up the night before, and the uh, guy that has to jingle horses, he'll go round up all the horses before daylight. Well, we catch your horse and be ready to go. So I head around this son of a bitch, and of course I've never been here before. We showed up at two o'clock in the morning. It's four o'clock in the morning. I've got two hours of sleep, and I've got to go find these horses. Well, I'm thinking, hey, you know, how big is this damn trap? Well, I take off, and I take off, and I take off, and I take off, and I go, and I go, and I go, and I run into a cliff, and then I head south, and I go, 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 and I run into a fifth, and then I hit another cliff, and then another cliff, and I'm like, how? Freaking big is this something gun? I finally get back. I finally give up. You know, after an hour, I can't find nothing, and it's a miracle I ain't fell off a cliff myself and killed myself. And uh, I get back to the goddamn headquarters. All the horses are already here at the damn pen <laughs> already, and they got them shut. But uh, but anyway, I asked the old boss man. I said, "Hey, how big's this goddamn horse trap?" Oh, it ain't very big. It's 1,800 acres. Oh, God dang. Hell, that's information I could have used. <laughs> but out there, I mean, you get into bigger places. Of course, I know some 300-acre places are 10 times harder to gather than some of those 10,000-acre places we're gathering out there. You ever been scared when you was out doing any of your coyote hunting? You ever had anything get you down or make you nervous? Well, I'll tell you what. That night we called up the Sasquatch over there at Beaver Creek. I was a little nervous. That son of a bitch. Yeah, me and Mitch and uh, Hutch, we was over there. At, uh, I don't think we've heard this story. No, I don't think you have. Very few people heard this story. And uh, and, and Mitch and them will kind of say, oh, yeah, but they wasn't saying that that night. <laughs> we, we get over there, and there's, uh, which my buddy runs that place, Joe, uh, Trey Mobley now, but used to be, well, matter of fact, it's uh, uh, our former Secretary of State. Rex oh, Tillerson's Rex place. Tillerson's the old place. Mount, Guide Mount Ranch? Yeah, Guide Mount. We were down there. And it's right there on the Beaver Creek. There's a big, you know, Beaver Creek crumbs through there, and it's briar thick, thick ass brush. You can't walk through it. You know, I've tried trying to get cattle out. You can't walk through it on your hands and knees hardly. But anyway, it, there's a little old neck that goes up there, kind of loops around. There's a well right out in the middle, and it is a perfect place to call up a cat. We kill a cat damn near every time we went to that place. Well, anyway, 
we pulled out there in the middle of that wheat field about four o'clock in the morning. I hear this. Uh, I hear, uh, uh, well, I start to call her, and then we call up a cat, kill the cat. Boom. We kill that cat, and I walk out there to get him. Bitch goes, how big is he? Uh, he ain't very big. I said, but he's 50 points. You know, I'm about 100 yards out in front of the truck, and I hold that cat up. Well, then all of a sudden, I mean, there ain't a breath of wind. I mean, it's deathly quiet. And then all of a sudden, you hear this. Well, no, no, no. Before that, before that, you hear this. Like somebody has pulled a branch off of a tree. Because you can hear it kind of breaking apart. And then it goes pop. It breaks loose of the tree. And you can hear it just plain day. And it echoes down in that daggum beaver creek. Because there ain't a breath of air. And I go, what the hell was that? <laughs> I'm still standing on the ground. And all of a sudden, pow, pow, pow. Something's hitting something up against the side of the tree. What the hell? And I said, of course, well, now I've got the pretty we've good. Got, we've got a Sasquatch. Yeah, well, we've got we've got Clay <laughs> giving his best uh, uh, Usain Bolt imitation. So you <laughs> ran. Got, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm running. <laughs> I'm getting the hell out of here because I mean it's close and whatever it is right there next to me. So I had uh, I had to pick up. I said, "Hey, what the hell is that?" I, said, I don't know. Oh, Mitch says, "Sound like somebody hitting a baseball bat up against a tree." I said, "I know it." And so I grabbed my hand call and go, wah, wah. and I hit that call, pow, pow, pow. Every time I'd blow that call, that some bitch would hit that tree. Would hit that tree. Yeah, it hit that tree. What the hell and is I, out there? So anyway, I said. I don't know what the hell it is, but I'm getting the hell out of here. So we leave and we went out. Well, that was on Saturday night, and on Monday, or actually Sunday morning. Well, Monday morning, I lived at Dundee at the time. I go to Camay, Canaan Corner, where I go eat breakfast every morning. My buddies all come in there, and I, I said, boys, y'all think y'all varmint hunters. I said, y'all ain't nothing till you call up the Sasquatch. <laughs> I said, I called in the Sasquatch last night. You know, I'm kind of making a joke of it and all this, and and uh anyway i was sitting there and uh as i'm sitting there everybody laughed giggled give me a hard time oh you're freaking high you dumb son of a bitch and i said well i laughed along with them well they left well there's one guy that pumps that lease that's sitting right there old jerry old jerry was the last one left he don't ever bullshit a whole lot don't ever say a whole lot he always just sits down there minds his own business well of course when everybody left i was finishing my breakfast. He looks up at me. He goes, you know, I've seen that Sasquatch out there. And I said, do what? I've seen him twice. He said, 1992 and 1976. No shit. I said, do what? He said, yeah. He said, 1992, you know that well y'all was talking about right down there? I said, yeah. He said, well, I was coming off the hill. We was coming in the other way. He said, I was coming off the hill. He said, he walked across the road in front of me about 50 yards, stopped in the middle of the road, and then walked on down there to the Beaver Creek. Wow. I said, bullshit. And he said, yeah, you can believe me or not. He said, I saw him. The first time I saw him was in 1976. You know where the concrete bridge is over there by Lake Diversion, going to Lake Diversion? I said, I know it very well. He said, I seen him walking across that open country, across out there, walked out there wide-ass open a half mile. He walked a half mile across that deal. Sasquatch in Texas. I said, you're full of shit. And I kind of went on. And, and then anyway, I got I got back to the house that night and i was telling the story about how big daddy clay reed done called up the sasquatch you know <laughs> and i'm giving them the play-by-play on the computer writing it on there well when i i post it it's on that text predator posse 
there was a guy named John uh, Dickey. John Dickey, he's the head of the Texas Bigfoot Research Center. He, said, he sends me a private message. He said, Clay, I want you to go to this deal, and I want you to listen to these sounds. And so I go to this link. He said, Made your fucking hair stand up. It went 12, there was 12 different sounds from 12 different areas in, in the United States, and it was exactly... Exactly what we had heard down in that deal. The, the pow, angle, pow, pow, or the, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the uh, well, every bit of most of them were just uh, the the tree knocks. What the, right. he said, that's a classic tree knock. He went to educate me. That's uh-huh. a classic tree knock. You're in the Sasquatch area. You need to get the hell out of Dodge. Well, I did get out of Dodge. Me and Mitch both, and, and Hunt, <laughs> we didn't get. And uh, but it it was weird. And then uh, what's funny is. Uh, so so so, how close were you to this to this knocking noise? Hundred yards. Ooh. Yeah, and I mean, like I say, it's we're down at a bottom. And you hear and you hear that you hear him breaking the you can the branch hear him breaking off. Breaking it off to start with. I mean, it just and then pop. You yeah. can hear it. You know, breaking the fibers of it, and then all of a sudden, it finally broke loose. And that's and what he and, 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 and he like started. I say, it wasn't no little bitty pow pow pow. It was big deal. Boom. Yeah, and uh, but but. I had another friend of mine, and I won't tell his name because he's never told anybody else this. He uh, he's, he was up there. He's a guide. He's a guide up in Colorado. Him and four, let's see, it was him and four other guides and four clients said, said, said they had a Sasquatch walk out in front of them and all their horses 50 yards in front of them, broad-ass daylight. Wow. I know I know two guys that hunt with us, and I'm not going to say their names because they've told me this. Oh, yeah. This so must yeah. be public. You know, because everybody thinks you're fucking crazy. I don't. And uh, two guys that I trust and know very well have well, had experiences. Well, this experienced guy that, that – that if they they're not they're not bullshit guys like if yeah. I, bull, I bullshit people because yeah. like Coach Steele I always wanted to get a Bigfoot deal for oh him and run his ass across Highway Six go down uh, by the bridge and bull people to start talking about that shit out here I but all over we'd bring up business over yeah, there no shit <laughs> but but these are guys I trust and know and both of them one of them was on a fishing trip in Oregon or somewhere and they were fishing on a creek and he and on fly fishing he's in a little boat and he said smelt something just god awful. And looked around, and one was on the, the – he said, I'm telling you, it wasn't 15 yards from me on the dam or on the on the bank. He said, scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I know a guy that was in the military, and they were at Lake Shasta in California, and they were camping out, and something shook their trailer in the middle of the night, just shook it. And he thought it was an earthquake. Yeah. Woke up the next morning, there was a bunch of people on tents. He goes, y'all feel that earthquake last night? What earthquake? Well, the trailer had hair on it, and, big old, and there was a big old footprint. He said, just like you Bigfoot. And he said, "Shit, I was embarrassed telling anybody forever because everybody yeah, think I was yeah, crazy." Well, that's that's why my buddy was. That's a guide. He he said they were twenty seven miles up in there because they wrote they they take these guys in their horseback. Mm-hmm. He's they're back there where nobody's at. Yeah. And uh and on a and and he you know he he said you're the first guy I told because I was telling him about this story. Mm-hmm. And uh and you know I don't know whether it was or it wasn't, but I I. I Four o'clock in the morning, ain't nobody down there jacking with me, and there wasn't nothing else. That, Why would you jack with somebody with guns anyways or shooting? That's not somebody yeah. you jack with. Yeah, that's a kind of a no-win situation. And then for that one guy to say that, that hey, I've seen it right there. Yeah, and, and, and like, hell, there's a, the, uh, you probably don't know this, on the police report in 2001 in Wichita Falls, there's a, uh, uh, this is the story over there in 2001, 
because I, I went to read a bunch of this stuff. I kind of find it interesting. But in 2001, I think it was, there was a bunch of uh, teenagers over there on Riley Road. You know where Riley Road is north in between uh, 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 Wichita Falls and Burke. Riley Road. Yeah, Riley right Road. off of 44. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Riley Road kind of goes back in there. Uh, old Fred Dwyer has a place over there where they keep all their uh, anhydrous and stuff like that. Well, anyway, these kids were over there, and there's there's some mesquite in there anyway. Anyway. They're having a camp out. Well, some of the kids had went into town apparently and uh, was messing around. But these one kid, they were back there throwing a, a knife into a barn. Well, they heard this scream. You know, somebody screamed at them real loud. Well, they thought one of their buddies had come in there, snuck up and tried to scare them. Yeah. Well, the one guy takes his knife and he goes, "Oh, I get him! Oh, you better come out!" And he goes messing with them. And uh, well, according to them, these five kids. This Sasquatch come running running out of the brush at him, chased him, picked the kid up, throwed him over the barbed wire fence into the uh, road, and he had visible wounds. And then, uh, of course, they called the law, and it wasn't their buddy. They called the law <laughs> and all this, and a uh, uh, deputy showed up over there. He said he had heard that scream many a time because they kind of pulled back up into this mesquite patch uh, during surveillance to the kitchen of crackhead trying to steal the anhydrous. But, yeah, that's on a police report. You know, wow. uh, people are listening to this right now, and half the people are like, these some bitches are full of shit. Another half have, have had experiences in the country. Yeah, yeah, a lot of guys ain't going to. They, and, and they've had things happen, or they've heard noises in the country right. that they can't account for. I mean, it's happened. And I'm going to tell you another thing. 90% of grown men are scared of the dark. Oh, yeah. I see that with hog hunters all the time, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah. It's amazing how many guys are scared of the dark. <laughs> yes, yeah. They can act like they're not, but by God, they are. You damn right. You go. You go out there. Yeah, it ain't like the old days. Uh, yeah, go out there, and uh, that's like being homeless. You know, when I was homeless on the streets over there, and you know, there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of stuff going on, and all that. But I guarantee you, it'll freak your ass out. You young kids sitting out there. No shit. But you know, I used to coon hunt all the time by myself. You know, run them dogs. I guarantee you there's a few times. Hell, I remember one time me and me and my brother and Stanley Britt damn near killed each other. We were sitting down in the middle of a creek. It's dry, you know, it's winter time. And all of a sudden we hear we hear our dogs. Back in the distance. We hear them, they're a good ways from us. And all of a sudden we hear something coming in hot at us. And we was like And it's coming right down that creek bed right at us. And, uh, and old Stanley goes, I think it's a dog. It's got to be one it's of the dogs. It's got to be a dog. It's one of the dogs. <laughs> and I said, I said, no, I don't think that's one of the dogs. He's trying to and convince himself, I said, though. I, I yeah. hear the dogs. They're way the hell over there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boy, comes Gary, and we ain't got a light. You know, we ain't had no lights back then. And uh, and uh, and all of a sudden, we come up. But luckily, the moon, that son of a bitch got right down in our lap, and we went, we're trying to crawl up that goddamn uh, Hell, it's a goddamn armadillo. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. but it's... They're loud. Oh, I mean, yeah. loud as hell. Yeah. But we like to kill ourselves trying to get out of that creek bed, getting up that bank in the dark. You know where uh, Danny Shank's place is right before you get to Shoshone Park on the left side? Oh, yeah. Used to be. yeah. Me and John Ballard and Chuck Smith went... We're, we're varmint hunting and hell, it was 1990, 91, cold, cold. You to carry a battery with a carry a battery with portable with a light you know had oh, to carry yeah, an extra car battery with you and we, we, we know when we were sitting on them cliffs over there that overlooked that bay and, and we're, we're sitting there and there's no wind hardly at all and we're making a call we're making a call and all of a sudden you hear this 
It sounded like cattle running. I mean, like a herd of cows coming at you. And it'd get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And finally, I grabbed the freaking light and turned the light on. Because I think if I'm fixed to get run over by a bunch of cows, I want to see them some bitches. And I flashed that light up at them, and the sound went away. I never saw nothing. Oh, I don't man. even know what the hell it is to this day. I don't know what it was. It was the creepiest shit I've ever. But it was right there. Is that damn boogeyman. I don't know what it was. Damn boogeyman and Sasquatch coming to get at your ass. It's crazy how how your uh, imagination, <laughs> how your mind gets to to fucking going, and then yeah, once you once when, your imagination gets going, when your mind gets going, that's when you really yeah. You're it's like some my buddy Lance Schrader. We was out here at Jake, and uh, we called up an animal way across this big, big draw canyon, you know, like Grand Canyon around here, big old deal, and that that varmint. Got up there on the other side, and he goes, "I think it's a cat. I think it's a cat. Let's shoot it." And I said, "I don't know. I don't think it's a cat. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's something. It's either coward or cat." And uh, he'd hung up, and you know, uh, uh, I think it was Mitch. Yeah, Mitch was shooting, and old Land told him, he said, "Well, I said, but that's a long ways across there, man. He like never get across. I mean, because you gotta go way down, rappel down, and then come up in the dark, and uh." So, and cedar breaks, you know, it's thick, got a thick shit, big, gnarly country. And uh, old Lynn, he screwed up, and he said, well, if you'll shoot it, if you shoot it, I'll go get it. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> Mitch, you don't tell Mitch that, because one thing about it, Mitch is one hell of a shot. Pow, whoop, he shoots that song, and, all right. Go get and it. And what was bad, we were just telling these Bigfoot stories yeah. right before this. Lynn, now he's got to go across there. And the only light he's got is a little bit of light on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes down there. He crawls down that gum deal. How he keeps from killing himself. And then, of course, we had a spotlight in the truck. I waited till he got about halfway up that other side. I turned that some bitch off. <laughs> and I mean, it was dark. And he goes, hey, turn that light on. I said, oh. Batteries must be dead. It won't come on. <laughs> then we could hear him fall and stumble. Oh, son of a bitch. But he said, uh, and he finally went over there and got over and it was a fox. <laughs> and so he worthless trip, but he gets back. Ain't going to lie. I got a little booger knee down, well, down in that bottom. He said, I said, he thought that Sasquatch was going to get you, didn't he? Goes, well, wasn't really worried about Sasquatch, but, you know, mountain lion or something. Shit, that, yeah. you whoop that mountain lion, that Sasquatch will eat you. When you get in the dark, though, things, you know. You oh, yeah, everything we, is magnified. We were coming goose hunting out here back way before I was in business. And, uh, you know, John Pitts? John Pitts. Uh, like played football to. tech. Uh, anyways, John and me. And some other guys from Wichita coming on a hunt. And I don't remember who else. I knew John, maybe Tony, maybe Tony and John or Chuck and John. Anyways, we come out here to go goose hunting, and we stopped at Allsup's in Seymour. And they had a picture as a wanted poster of this guy, and he looked like a spider monkey. Hair down, these old beaded black eyes. And they had a lady that worked at Allsup's that had been murdered. She'd won a bingo game over at Gory, and they found her out in the country dead. And somebody had stolen that money. we got to sound like the biggest heel, Jack. Yeah, she, she won the bingo game down at the pool hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so... 
and she and I'd seen it on the news that they'd found her and she'd been murdered and you know all this stuff. So we go in there and they got this picture of this guy. It's a creepy looking fucking picture. I mean creepy as shit. So I asked the guy walking in. And it's four thirty in the morning. I go, what's with that poster right there? He said, it's a guy they're looking for. He was a transient guy around here and he's disappeared ever since that murder. And they're they're wanting to question him. And the lady had worked in Allsup's where I'd we go in there three days in the morning. You know, at four o'clock every morning before we go hunt. Uh-huh. So we get to where we're going to hunt. And we set up our spread. And we leave all of our guns and everything at the decoys. And we think, fuck, we're 30 minutes early. We'll all walk together. So we go and park that truck about a three-quarter of a mile, a mile walk. You know, walk through a little mesquite forest on the edge of it to get to the field we're hunting at. We're walking through there, and I'm thinking, gosh, damn, boy, just creepy. And I'm seeing shit. And oh, somebody, might have been John, one of them goes, God dang, I wish I wouldn't have seen that poster. That's all I'm thinking about. I said, gosh, damn, I wish you wouldn't have said that I'll shit. Think. That's all I thought of. Because everybody was thinking the same damn thing. That old sp- that spider monkey guy's fixing to come out Fun. and jump on our ass. Gonna get our ass. Yeah. Well, see, and that, that ruins your whole time. Yeah. I, I had that same thing kind of deal. They ruined it. You know, I, I'm 15 years old. Never been nowhere, you know, poor-ass kid. And uh, this this family kind of took me in over there, oh, Richard Thomas and Marcia Thomas. They said, hey, we're going to Fort, uh, we're going to Lake Texoma for 4th of July. You want to go? I said, well, I ain't never been. Not, yeah, I'll go. Hell yeah. You can put me in. So we go over there, and I'm dumb. Yeah, I ain't been nowhere. And I get over there to, we go get some fishing stuff at the uh, over there at Denison. And we pull in that deal, and I'm kind of going through this bait shop, and everybody's getting their shit. And, and all of a sudden, boy, something just struck my eye. Up there on the wall is the picture of a 2,006-pound catfish caught at the Denison Dam at Lake Texoma. Yeah. It's on a flatbed trailer. It's sitting over there, and I, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at this with my, <laughs> my jaw down on my damn titties, and and I'm reading the story. It's got a story. It's, it's a newspaper column of about giant... 2006 pound catfish caught at the dam and it tells about these two guys they were out there fishing they seen the big tail and then they went and got a uh, a big spool and a cable and a, a and a uh, uh, big uh, anchor that they sharpened the ends to make a deal to catch this it's guy. like jaws movie yeah yeah and i'm the well, i'm i'm reading this and i said <laughs> and i'm thinking there ain't no freaking way in hell I'm getting in this goddamn water. For no <laughs> 2000. I said, ain't no way in hell. No matter how bad I want to go to the lake, I ain't going. Swallow your hole. So we get over there to try. I, I, I read this deal and I said, holy shit, man. I mean, I, no, no. So we get to the campground over there on the north side of that Denson Dam. And we're sitting over And they unload the boat and they said, yeah, let's go, let's go. I said, Kiss my ass, ain't y'all? Uh, uh-uh, ain't happening. Ain't getting in there. That boat ain't nothing but a minute for that goddamn drug captain. And they they laugh and they said, "You ain't gonna get the boat." I said, "No, I don't give a shit." He said, "Oh, that was just joking." It's bullshit. I seen it on the picture. It was in the newspaper. I seen it. And so they 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 said, "Oh, they're laughing at me." So for two two three days, I ain't getting. Out. I'm I'm sitting over there. Roasted marshmallows because I ain't getting in water. They're skiing, and I love the water skiing. And they're skiing, and the whole time they're out there skiing, I'm going, what a bunch of dumb bastards. You're going to be a freaking minnow. It's just a top said, water yeah. jig is all and they I'm are. I'm just waiting for one of them to disappear, yeah. And I said, man, they're stupid. Boy, but after about three or four days, I at least want to go get in the boat. And they said, hell, just get in the boat with us, you know. 
So I, so I get in the boat, and I'm not enjoying it because I'm on catfish watch. Yep. I'm the whole time I'm looking for this big fin. Yep. Where's this dang big catfish? Well, finally they get over there. Boy, I just can't stand it. I'm wanting to ski so bad. And they said, hell, let's go over here in this uh, lagoon. And it's shallow. The big catfish can't get in. <laughs> and I said, oh, all right, hell, I, I love skiing. So so I get over there, and I start skiing. Boy, and I'm slaloming through there. But I'm, the whole time, I'm still having a little anxiety, you know, because I'm worried about looking at that water. And it's clear. You can see everything. And guess where they went? Straight to the dam. Yep. And I ain't wanting to be dangling. <laughs> so I'm hanging on. I'm going, no! No! <laughs> and they're laughing. <laughs> and they wind up getting to the dam. And I said, you son of a bitches, I'll kill you. I'll kill all of you. Well, they get over to the dam. What, what do they do? They kill the boat. <laughs> and I look I look like Jesus Christ. I got a shed of that goddamn ski. And I was walking on water getting to that goddamn dam. And I get over to that dam. And I start chunking boulders out. I'm going to kill them. I'm so goddamn mad. I mean, it's, I mean, pissed, blood curling. And they're laughing. I said, you wait till you son of a bitch and come to shore. I'm going to beat the shit out of every one of them. Women and children both. I'm going to kill y'all. And so, and what was worse, hell, it's a goddamn four-mile walk around over there to get back to the campground. So I had to walk my fat ass, which I wasn't fat at the time, but it was hot. It was July, Texas. And uh, so I walk all the way down there. And they had to take me, uh, get me in the car, take me all the way back to Denson Dam and make that old man tell me that that was a joke. And uh, he said, you ain't the first one they brought back, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hell, I still, I, I'm still worried about it. I said, what if he was just saying that? Yeah, yeah. Same. Have you ever grappled? Grappled, yeah. You've done that? Oh, yeah. You're, you're scared of getting in the water at Denison Dam, but you'll put your hand in a hole? That's that's another good story, the old grappling story. We, uh, I had an uncle. He he crackhead. He he's in pen now, and uh, but uh, he 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 called me one day. He married my aunt. And I'm 12 years old, and he said, "Hey, uh, hey Clay, you wanna go fishing?" I just happened to be walking by his house. And he said, "You wanna go fishing now?" And I said, "Hell yeah, I love to go fishing. Yeah, I'll go fish with you." And uh, this is before I knew he was crackhead, and uh, he said, "Yeah, we'll be at, be at my house at midnight." I said, midnight? Man, we're going to catch it midnight. So anyway, I did. I showed up. You know, you know, my little skinny ass at, at 12 years old, I didn't weigh 75, 80 pounds. So I show up at the house, and we load, we load this little, old, little, little bitty flat-bottom boat, 14-foot flat-bottom boat, you know. And there's me, uh, Randy, Rollo, Homer Nixon, and, uh, uh, and my skinny ass. Rollo. Rollo. Durant. I don't know him. Yeah. I know another Rollo. That's why yeah, I asked. Yeah, Rollo Darren from Electra. And uh, uh old hard-ass man, we get out there, and I, I go looking, and we're loading that boat up, and there's a, ain't no goddamn fishing poles in this deal. <laughs> How the hell are we going to catch no fish without no fishing pole? I was, I was starting that. It should have been my red flag, but it wasn't. I was dumb. I was long for the ride. So we get out to Lake Kickapoo. We head to the backside. We're, we got three adults and my skinny ass. In this little old 14-foot bottom boat, you know, and it's coming, the wind's blowing pretty good at the time. We get all the way to the back deal, and they all go jumping out in the water. And I, they ain't nobody told me what the hell we're doing yet. And so I'm oblivious. I'm sitting in this bottom of this boat going, what are we doing here, boys? 
I said, uh, of course, they had been drinking. They were on the whiskey, mm-hmm. and they drank all the time. I'm just guessing it's like 2 in the morning now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's late, and I'm gone. These dumb son of a bitch. Well, then finally, they all go over to one little corner over there, and the moon's up, you know, and I'm I'm watching over They ain't got no light. And all of a sudden, old Randy goes underwater, and he's like, oh, I got a big son of a bitch over here. He said, come over here. Give me that. Give me that rope. You know, when they go down there, what the hell are they doing? I still can't figure it out. Finally, old Randy said, oh, I got him now. He said, Reed, come over here. Reed, come on. So I jump out in this waist-deep water, and I wade over there to him. He said, hey, put this rope around your hand. <laughs> so I, I put this rope, and I still ain't seen this fish, you know. And so I, all I did, he goes, put, wrap that rope around your hand take this fish to the boat. And I said, okay. And well, up to this, you know, time, hell, the biggest fish I'd ever seen was, you know, maybe a foot long. And so I wrapped this deal around, and then he turned that goddamn fish loose, and that fish took off with me. <laughs> he went, and I hit down water, and I guarantee you, I'd still be at the bottom of the lake had it not been for Homer. Homer grabbed a hold of my britches from behind and drug me up, and I didn't know what was on the bottom of that goddamn rope, but I was getting unhooked from it in a hurry. <laughs> I went to the other end, and then I looked like Jesus Christ getting back to that goddamn boat again. <laughs> and so... Well, then they waited over there. They was laughing. They got a hold of the rope, and they throwed that. Hell, that son of a bitch weighed 55 pounds and Jeez. flathead. Hell, I didn't weigh much more than 55 pounds. <laughs> I was like, God dang. And then they got drunk. Storm come in, and that we caught a buttload of fish. So now we got three adults, my ass, and all these big-ass catfish, and this little 14-5 buck. And you know how, like, Kickapoo gets windblowing. Yes. It's like surfing on it. And I thought we was going to die and drown. There ain't a life jacket within a thousand miles. And me and that goddamn 55-pound catfish are laying on the bottom of the deal going, you think we're going to make it? <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be touch and go. Just give me the short. Yeah, it's bad. So did you Have you ever actually put your yeah. hand in the home? Yeah, yeah, they finally took me back. During the day, and we, we did some grabbling, and uh, and then uh, all we did about two or three days, and then next thing you know, I grabbled and I'm got a fish, and I'm working on this fish, and all of course I'm above water, I'm in shallow enough water where I got my hands up, and I've got my head up, and all of a sudden a big ass snake come right up no, my face. Fuck that. I retired from the uh, grabbling. Yeah, I'm I out. Not I'm like out snakes. There. Yeah. We went. We did a hunting show in Wichita, Kansas, seven, eight, ten years ago, and there was a lady there that that, that was that was selling noodling they call it noodling trip and i'd always heard grabbling my whole time in my life growing up but with noodling and they did in the rivers in oklahoma where it's been legal for longer you know just yeah. like just now texas last couple of years yeah. has made it legal but anyways they did it in the rivers and she told me her and this guy that worked for and he he was a looked like a guy that would be a professional noodler i'm telling you <laughs> yeah you know, they had that look. Yeah, there's about three of them, and they didn't have a full set of teeth between <laughs> any of them. And so, anyways, they said they did it in the rivers, and they would walk up down the rivers, you know, in that knee deep water, and they reach your hands up in holes on that river. I'm thinking, there ain't all kinds yeah, of shit no. you're gonna grab. Yeah, no. beavers is the worst. Oh, oh, god, I mean, they ain't gonna let go. Turtle. Yeah, and they will take a digit off in a hurry. Yep. But yeah, they, that's and that was selling those hunts. I'm thinking people are gonna pay money to come wading down this. Uh-huh. And stick their hand in there. There's a girl that's on Instagram, Hannah Burrows or something is yeah. her name. And she's every day's noodling catfish. I'd like to get her on the show. I think she'd be interesting to talk to. Well, I guarantee they will tear a man's hand up. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, I, I see now they're they making a, a noodling glove. You know, it comes mm-hmm. up to your deal right here. 
it's you know keeps you from you know because you stick your arm in them suckers mouth they i mean you bleeding all over everything yeah but i'm not doing it and yeah. i don't think people realize you stick your hand up through their mouth and go into their gill yeah. right uh-huh. and grab the back of their gill no, and all you're up. doing is letting that hand be their bait yeah because when they're sitting on their beds oh man they eat you that's all they're doing mm-hmm. they're biting you and they they bite hard I mean, it. Uh, you get a big old blue cat now. Them some guys, their their force on their. I mean, it'll it hurts. But I just, I just can't imagine. I just God Almighty, it's got hurt like some bitch. I just don't have the balls to do that. Yeah. And and this girl that does it, that I've I've watched her stuff on Instagram. I'm just amazed by it. And she's catching some big old fish, but she's doing it in Alabama or Mississippi now. Shit, they got alligators down there. Oh yeah, and I'd be out on that deal. <laughs> I'm out. Period. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about the gun killing shit and a fishing rod. Yeah, I mean, I did the grappling deal because I didn't want to be called a puss. But nowadays, I'm confident in my pussness. Yeah. Have you have you started shooting your bow yet for your elk hunt? Uh, no. You're not going to either, are you? No. No. Uh, yeah. That's old John Cadell. He he had me pegged when he told old Dan. He said, uh, did you help Clay get that? No. no. Well, I guarantee he didn't, but... Well, Mitch has got my bow. Matter of fact, I was going to go buy a bow, but Mitch has got one. And hell, he's a coach, so coaches don't ever get to shoot uh, that deer season. hunt. They're yeah. always working during deer season. I told him, I said, Yeah, you might as well just give me that. So, But I do need to get it. But I could, you know, me and John going up there, I could really care less if we killed a deer or not. Just go up in the mountains and hang out and get out of the Texas heat. And be, Pretty up there. Oh, yeah. That's like there's a kid, a uh, guy, Wyoming. He uh, friended me the other day, cowboy, and uh, God dang it, every day he's, oh, I'm up here, it's snowing. It's snowing. They had a big snow uh, this last few days. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And I always told my wife that I, when that last kid raised, I'm gone. I'm headed north, but she ain't going to let me. God <laughs> dang it. I'll, I'll go up there, and I'll have to. Like, I'm fixing to go on up my man trip, and I don't think – Bitch Macklemore is going to go with me. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just going. I'm going to I'm going to head up into the mountains and uh, you know, pull into a dive bar and drink beer with the locals and uh, just kill a cow when I feel like killing a cow and you know just just get away. You know, sometimes you just and uh, hell, my kids hell they don't like going that. My wife damn sure don't like doing <laughs> that. You know me, I can go. I can walk into any bar and and uh, that's like. We pulled into Decatur today, and uh, at the Whataburger, I was taking my, I was taking my daughter or daughter-in-law to the uh, airport. Now, there's always that table of old farts, and shit. I jumped right into. I like never got her to the airport because I was <laughs> taking her on the, on the deal. So, what? Well, have you been to Montana? Uh-huh. that's a cool. That's a cool state. Boy, I bet. I mean, Wyoming, I thought, was cool. Of course, I, last year, first time I went to Wyoming, I come down through that southern, what is that, 80 comes across there? Gillette in that area? Yeah. Cheyenne? Well, uh, yeah, Laramie, uh, you know, all across that, that highway that comes. Okay. That main highway coming down, the southern part of it. Shit, it was just, oh, there were some cool spots, but it wasn't really, I want to get up there in that Cody, Wyoming, you know, in that northwest corner where you get up close to Yellowstone, which is where this guy was. Hell, he's showing the moose and and all the stuff. He's yeah, we got a lot of wolves. You know, we got a lot of problems. I thought, man, I that's, 
that's my bucket list for the United States. I've been all over the United States, all over it, all over Canada. I've been Alaska, everywhere, but I've never been to Yellowstone, and I've never been to Key West. I know you know, the only two places in the United States I really want to go that I haven't. Well, been to. I've been I've, I've been down in that Florida. You know, I went not to Key West though, but but uh, yeah, I've been I, a, lot, a lot of places in Florida, but I've never been. I want to go to the Keys. Yeah, I've never been south of Fort Lauderdale. But I bet that's one place I want to go. Montana is a beautiful place. Yeah, I want. I, yeah, like I say, I'd love to go up there. And I tell you what, uh, Nevada was a hell of a lot different than I thought it was. Yeah, once you get north of Vegas and you get in the mountains, it's pretty. Yeah, that's where I went. I went or come through Vegas and, uh, like I say, a little old town called Caliente, Nevada. It's down in it. In the, it was a valley. It was a cool little old town. They had a little Uncle Bill's bar, and I pulled in there, and it was like I'd lived there my whole life. <laughs> but they, you know, they treat you like you're a celebrity up there because you're from Texas. Yeah. You know, when you, well, you when you go talk, and yeah. they they know it right off. Yeah. Texas opens up a lot of doors for you. You got dang right, and uh, boy, you can you can sit up there and talk and be a hero in five minutes. You know, because they're. Yeah. Luke Especially Mus- Texas cowpuncher. You know, your cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. They. They think that's cool. Luke Musgrove, kid from Kansas, worked for us for a while. He worked. He stayed in Texas he, about three years, and he went to Vegas one time. And he, I think he was in a titty bar, wasn't he, Andy? And, I wasn't oh, there. Well, I know you wasn't there. This girl was dancing. I, I'm pretty sure he's in a titty bar, and she asked him where he was from. And his buddy said, "I'm from Kansas." Oh, okay. She goes, "Luke, where are you?" She asked him, "Where are you from?" "I'm from Texas." "Oh, really?" You know, oh, a conversation. He goes, <laughs> he goes, "From now on, I was from Texas everywhere I went." <laughs> he said, "Just opened up a whole another room for me with everybody I'll you go tell to." You. Yeah, they 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 like them Texas guys, but but yeah, I want to go up there to Yellowstone. I've never been there either. Yeah, that would be you know all up in there. You know Idaho. I'd like to go to Idaho. I bet that's a beautiful. And they got coyotes out the wazoo, from what I understand. Uh, that cowboy guy that over there, he said the wolves wipe them out too much over there, so we don't have as many. But anybody out there, where's your world championships at? Nebraska? Is that where it's at this Utah. year? Utah. Well, U- there's Utah. three hunts: Utah, Nebraska, and. Uh, Virginia. If you live in Utah, Nebraska, Virginia, and you're listening to this, and you do because we're at every state now, we get multiple hits from every state every day. Get a hold of us, so you can hook Clay up with some coyote land for his for the nationals. Dang right. There you go. So you want you be easy to get because people want to hunt and meet Clay Reed now, especially if it's a coyote guy. Coyote man. Coyote man. I bet Virginia is hard to get places to hunt. Yeah. Uh, but I'm uh, betting you that Idaho. And Nebraska's not. Well, I, like I say, that's a good thing about that Facebook deal, man. I've got, you know, because I've got a deal that I'm trying. I, I want to kill a coyote in every every state in the lower 48, mm-hmm. and then write a book, write a book or an article about it. And uh, and so I've pretty much got every state uh, done. Where I well, now there's a couple of them like Delaware, and those deals are going to be hard. But I got a guy up there who says he can hook me up. The Maryland Monster, oh, Ben uh, Ben Hartsville, a good kid, just got married. He's Costa Rica right now with his bride. But yeah, like I say, I think I. But that would be just a cool deal. So that's that's like your uh, grand slam on the turkeys is to shoot. You like to shoot a coyote in every of the forty eight states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know anybody that's ever done it, and uh, and uh, it would be a be a cool deal. Plus, you know, I'm not going to get it done in one summer. But you know, like, you're gonna put a lot of freaking yeah. miles on if you do that. Yeah, well, like I say now I've got I've got Colorado. Uh, uh, well, I didn't get nothing in Wyoming. I got uh, Utah. I got uh, Nevada, Arizona, 
No. Hell, I ain't got Arizona out of my way. I forgot Jeremy Bailey killed that damn cow. <laughs> but I ain't worried about Arizona. I can get that anytime. In Nevada, or New Mexico, I got one there. Oklahoma. So I'm getting close. And then uh, I got some eastern uh, states, but I can't divulge those information. I got, yeah, I told I told my hunting buddies I was coming on podcast night and well don't tell you don't tell them where you we was hunting last year at eastern you know so all right so i gotta stay tight-lipped north dakota and south dakota to me would be easy varmint hunting states not a lot of trees a lot of rolling hills and not a lot of population of people no not at all that makes when we've hunted at north dakota a big town is a thousand people yep not much i seen a deal today that guy same guy he posted a deal that the whole state of Wyoming only has 586,000 people. Pretty small. It's crazy. The whole state. Crazy. Hell, Wichita's got 106. Yeah. That's that's freaking crazy. That's my kind of state. <laughs> Man, I would love it, except for the winners. Yeah. The women, what about them? I don't think they're women? shiny as they are down the eh, south. No, no. And I not very plentiful either. <laughs> yeah. That's like New Mexico. Good Lord. They don't... They're... I know y'all are out there, but I never saw you. Uh, but that there ain't, you know, I, I was out there a year, and there ain't hell. Uh, I, I watched guys fight over one gal, and she and she was the best looking gal we saw in a year over there, and she was missing all of her front teeth. Oh, and, uh, yeah. I mean, they just. I saw one gorgeous gal when I was there, and I thought, all right, you're gonna bring bring a little uh, 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 reputation back to New Mexico. And then I went talking to her and found out she was from Amarillo. <laughs> she was just passing through. <laughs> Me and John Ballard were in uh, Ely, Minnesota one time, and we'd been in the woods for a week, and we hadn't seen any pretty women when we were up there. And I'm same as you. I'm sure there's some there. I just didn't see any. And this good-looking blonde come walking down the street, and I asked her, I go, where, where are you from in Texas? She goes, Dallas. I said, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to, I, I hired, you know, Austin, Valamont. Yeah. Well, when I went to hire Austin, he was out at Reserve, New Mexico. You know where Reserve, New Mexico mm-hmm. is? Nobody knows where Reserve, New Mexico. Because there's one way into Reserve and there's one way out of Reserve. And when you walk into Reserve, New Mexico, it's like walking into 1858. I mean, there's log cabins and stucco houses and stuff. I mean, it's a cool town. Don't get me wrong. But it's in the middle of BFE now. It's on the, the, the far west uh about midway through the state, western border between Arizona, middle of the mountains over there. But I go over there. To, I've got to meet Austin, and he's gonna he's gonna hook me up with some coyote country over there, the ranch he was working at at that time. Well, I get there during the day, and he's busy, so I pull over. I'm, I've been driving for a long time. I want to take a nap, so I go to sleep. I pull off over and when he's uh, across from the bar, there's a bar right there. I get out there and I go to take me a nap. Well, about 10 o'clock, I wake up, and I say, hey, uh, Austin, where you at? And he said, I'm over at the bar shooting a game of pool. I said, come over here. We'll be done in a minute. So I pull into the bar, and I walk back here to the back pool room. And there's very few people in this deal, but there's Austin and this other kid. They're shooting pool. Well, over to the right, leaned up against the wall, is Paula, a gal named Paula. Paula's got an old ball cap on that she's been wearing for little last 12 years at least <laughs> she has uh got a dip of snuff in her mouth cool. and she's got uh uh tobacco juice 
all the way down her chin where it's been running out. Please don't tell me this is Austin's girlfriend. No. Thank God. She uh, She's sitting over there. she got blue jeans on and got her uh, flannel shirt on. Got blood and guts all over it. Got her boots tucked in with a big uh, uh, big skinning knife on the side. And she got her old spit cup. She's holding that spit cup over there. And she's eyeballing me like I am new me. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I ain't going to lie. You was talking about, have you ever been scared in the dark? <laughs> well, I, I was getting scared and it was in the dark. Well, anyway, she's just staring at me. And just staring at me. And I'm talking to Austin as a... Oh, go ahead, Austin. You know, y'all finish the game. Hell, we, I, I ain't no hurry. And then I was starting to get in a hurry because here she comes. She comes <laughs> over there and leans. She stands right there in front of me. And she goes, uh, uh, let's dance. She's got that big old dip of snuff in her mouth. She goes, let's dance. I said, ah, I'm not really a dancer, you know. I, I'm pretty, you know, I'm good, I'm good. And she got that blood and guts all around. I said, nah, I'm good. And uh, she goes, <laughs> she's sitting there, she chews on that dip of snuff. And then she goes, she smiles, she spits in the floor, she goes, you just well dance with me, I ain't gonna quit till you do, and I, she spit again, I said, and I felt like, you remember, uh, remember in Lonesome Dove, when they're on the, uh, uh, the, the river raft, and the, and the guy comes over and he says, hey, I'm gonna marry you, you know, he gonna marry you, and he said, you go tell him I'm already, man. You just go tell him yourself. You know? <laughs> I was a little scared. I figured I better dance with her. So I get out there and dance with her. And I mean, this son of a bitch reeks. I mean, B-O. And like I say, turns out she, 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 uh, I get in the middle of the dance and I said, oh, yeah, that's so what you do around here. She said, I'm a skinner. I said, uh, I got elk hunts. I said, I've, I've skimped probably close to 75 elk this winter spits in the floor and she was wearing every piece of gut oh. on her and uh, uh and and i'm pretty sure she hadn't had a bath in a while <laughs> but anyway right in the middle of the dance with this song gun she goes <laughs> she, hikes, <laughs> she hikes up her legs and she farts and i ain't gonna lie it was the most rankest stinkiness and, and i ain't gonna lie i mean when i shit my pants i got some pretty rank shit but it, it couldn't hold a candle to Paula. And luckily, the song was short, and I quit, and I walked. I said, thank you. I said, oh, that was great. And I'm wiping the tears out of my eyes, and I go over there and sit. Well, Paula, she sits right next to Austin. Austin, he's looking the other way at the pool game. And I get over here a couple of bar stools down from Paula. Paula, she's sitting there with that old shit in green again. <laughs> she spits in her spit tune, and she goes, she hikes her old leg up. She goes, <laughs> and farts again well she farts and she's aimed towards austin well austin's got his back looking the other way and uh, and uh, he don't see it and i said uh, and boy you could see that old funk fall crawl up austin's side all of his back and then right over the tips of his shoulders and you knew the precise moment when it hit his nostril because he went holy shit and he turned to paul Paula, did you fucking shit your pants? <laughs> she spits in here and spit to you. Yeah, that was good one. <laughs> I said, Austin, game over. Let's get out of here, son. Yeah, it's bad. He knew old Paula, though. Reserve New Mexico. Woo. And I told him I shit him all the way up that mountain. I said, You've been tapping that ass, ain't <laughs> you? No, no, no. Uh, he was, but 
uh, his buddies. But Bob has uh, he goes, hell, I'll tap anything. Worst I ever had was excellent. <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, you will tap anything. Yeah. I thought I would, but that ain't happening. Worst, worst I have is still pretty good. Yeah. All right, we got to cut this off. Yeah. Gosh, man, yep. we went a long time. What are we at? Long time. Long time. Yep. All right. Well, Clay, I appreciate it so much. We're going to have you, you on so again much. before dove season gets here in the summer if you'd like you to bet. come back. You bet. We've had a good time, good stories. Uh Tell everybody thank you for our sponsors, 737 Decoys, Stanfield Hunting Outfit. 737 Decoys. 737, been a long podcast. 737 Duck Calls, Dive Bomb Decoys, William and Chris Vineyards, and Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. I thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Keep sharing this. Go to iTunes and give us a review, please. We need some more reviews. Get a lot of people. Tell them you love Clay Reed. (laughs) (laughs) But give us an iTunes review, please, on the podcast. Anyways, I Clay, what do you got to plug? Ah, uh, Fox Pro Caller. Hey, and I'll tell you what, another thing I want to give a shout-out is them, uh, 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 Randy Webb, he's got a coyote drag. And, I mean, it is unbelievable, boys. And, I mean, it's not, it's not for coyote drag. Uh, you can haul them hogs. Mm-hmm. You know, when we shoot them hogs out there, you can put that song gun on the back of your bumper hitch, and it, it's made out of, of – uh, uh, like snare line. Mm-hmm. Oh man, but it's awesome. But anyway, if, if you need one, it's called the b- pocket drag. Randy Webb's got it. Fox Pro, go get them, boys. Good deal. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. And God bless. Be safe. We got them. <laughs>